Hey everyone, it's Steve-O from Not Another Bee Horrorcast, and you're listening to another great production on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Oh, I think it is. Well, good. To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And this episode is supported by our spectacular and up patron, Bo Harper. Bo! And we did not have any walloping word snappers words last week, which means we may or may not have some this week. Keep an ear out. Walloping Word Snappers is our game on Patreon where our patrons can submit anything, like literally anything, within reason. Um, so even if it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, um, that's fine. We just have to find some way to work it in. Sometimes they're relevant. Sometimes they're very, very weird. If the, something sounds odd, maybe those are words that patrons submitted. Yeah, yeah. It's our own little improv game and you get to participate. Yeah, yeah. It keeps us on our toes and uh, lets our patrons guide how our show is so the more yeah. patrons we get and the more people who submit it might be a point where our entire episodes are just words that other people uh, yeah. gave us yeah, <laughs> that's the dream really right <laughs> yeah we don't have to prepare the show's just written for us by the word yes. snappers players yes. and it'll just sound like stream of consciousness <laughs> perfect are they nonsense. covering frump again yes <laughs> yes we are (laughs) that's not the case today today it's gonna be a lot more uh, coherent yes we are covering the spectacular spider-man still we are in our first season of the spectacular spider-man um very exciting we have two episodes today uh if you want to listen to our first episode episode 12 we cover a lot of the background development of spectacular spider-man and kind of Mm -hmm. why the show is structured like it is why it's styled like it is because it is a very very unique show to the spider-man canon listen to that if you want to hear more about that today we're just going to be talking about episodes two and three we don't really have a lot of background information so really nope. we can uh kind of just kind of jump right into them i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm excited because we we started with just the one episode and i had mentioned at the end of the last one like i was so eager to keep going so i'm so glad we get to cover twice as much mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting because i mean this is probably true for most tv shows but you know you have every pilot that sets up the concepts and sets up all the characters but it's usually not like a true episode like we right. noticed in that first one that there was barely a plot to it it's just kind of a lot of vignettes yeah. of peter's life and introducing the billions of characters these episodes i think are really good for getting a real feel of how this show is going to be going forward like the mm-hmm. way the way like the episodic stories are told but also how they kind of uh intersect and like how these uh, villain origin stories are all like inter are kind of interconnected and the sort of like lessons might be getting and and even more like fleshed out characterization and yeah. uh, and this is also the end of an arc in the second episode that we're yeah. covering so we also kind of get to see what it feels like when you're looking at all of these episodes cohesively so we'll kind of talk about like them episodically but also how it felt as a full arc too mm-hmm. because the show is very very heavily structured in that way yeah 
I'm excited. Yeah. Let's freaking do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to follow along with us, this uh, uh, these episodes, this whole show actually is streaming for free on SonyCrackle.com. Um, there's a couple of Crackle apps available, too, that you can download. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. as long as you're up for dealing with a couple of ads, which are no big deal, um, you can stream this for free. But it is also available for digital purchase on most platforms, um, and they're all our Lots of DVDs, complete season and volume DVDs, and a really, really great complete series Blu-ray set that's out there. So this is one of the more accessible shows out there if you want to watch along with us. Nice. Well, uh, so like you said, we're covering episodes two and three. The first one, obviously, is episode two. So this is the spectacular Spider-Man episode two, and it is called Interactions. And as always, we've got a short synopsis from IMDb. Peter Parker attempts to tutor the popular Liz Allen while Spider-Man tries to stop Electro, who will stop at nothing to find a cure for the accident that made him who he is. The original air date for this episode is March 8th, 2008, which if that date sounds familiar... Well, for one, you've paid a lot of attention to our, our episodes, but um, this <laughs> thank is... Thank you. <laughs> thank you. But uh, it is the same day as the first episode. So this huh. show premiered as like a one-hour uh, premiere back-to-back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, we only didn't cover the, both of these back-to-back because we had so much information in our two-and-a-half-hour episode. Oh, sure. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that was presented with the, the first episode. It doesn't really matter because it still kind of stands alone anyway. Yeah. So um, it was written by a writer named Kevin hops. He's got a lot of credits to his name. He's actually been writing TV since the late seventies. Hmm. Um, he wrote on a lot of sitcoms like uh, the original one day at a time mod and good times. In addition to some others, I believe in animation exclusively, he was the story editor of super robot monkey team, Hyperforce go. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I remember that show on ABC family. I actually I... always, don't know what that is but it sounds like everything i want i think you would dig it actually what is this <laughs> it's i so i always thought that it was just an anime like a dub uh-huh. anime it's not it's apparently <gasps> an american-made show that's just oh, very anime-esque and beautiful. it is literally like multicolored robot monkeys like in the same vein that you would see oh. like power rangers or super sentai my gosh yep and there's like a, a like a, a kid leader teammate person but the the cool things are the different monkeys with different personalities and i think maybe hmm. different powers too and they fight like robots and stuff too so. wow yeah it's cool hmm. i don't know if it's available like anywhere because it's one of those shows that most people aren't going to remember but yeah yeah i remembered only because of the title probably <laughs> <laughs> well it did its job that title <laughs> uh, right <laughs> Um, in addition to that, he's also written on lots and lots and lots of shows, um, including The Smurfs. This is a cool one, um, The Adventures of Gummy Bears, uh, which is a Disney show in the late 80s, I think. Mm. That's a Gargoyles connection, which Greg Weissman created Gargoyles. That was the show that inspired him to create Gargoyles, actually. Because it's, like oh? med- it's like a medieval bear fighting show, basically. Oh. Like, they're called the Gummy Bears, but they're not like the Gummy Bear Candy. They're just using that name to kind of latch on oh, to the brand. Wow. But yeah, it's like this. It was like this cool, like medieval fighting show. Like all the bears, like knights and stuff. Hmm. So like the kind of medieval uh, backstory of gargoyles is was kind of based on that or inspired by that, which sure. is kind of cool. Other things he's written on are Animaniacs. Another Buzz Lightyear of Star Command credit. Yep, yep. Popped up multiple times. Um, another credit on Hellboy: Blood and Iron, which was the animated movie that Victor Cook directed. He also was on Witch, which Greg Weissman wrote on, uh, Young Justice, and Star Wars Rebels, all shows that Greg Weissman worked on in various capacities. This is like just a cohort, it feels like. I know. It's a real real tight family. I mean, I yeah. guess it's like if you like who you're sense. working for. Yeah, if you like who you're working for. And I mean, 
and and you work together well then why not yeah. carry it over right well and animation i think they it is very much like a cohort like you you probably stick with the people you studied with or graduated with or came into the field with I don't know why you wouldn't, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, and that's something I remember we talked about on the Spider-Verse episode, too, that, that yeah. I think you pointed out that made a lot of sense, that kind of put it in perspective for me, where, like, in animation, the storyboarders and, like, any any artist, I guess, really is going to be working a lot more closely with the director than, like, on live-action movies, yeah. where you're going to be tons tons of different people in various capacities that are probably not going to be working with like kind of the big creative heads. So it's a lot easier to kind of get to know your writers and get to know your staff and everything mm-hmm. when you're in animation. Yeah. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. This episode was directed by someone named Troy Adomitis. He only has a couple of actual directing credits. He's mostly worked as a storyboard artist. Hmm. Um, his directing credits include the legend of Tarzan, the cartoon and also stripperella. So go on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But those that are is little... what it sounds like, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it okay. sounds like. <laughs> I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't, unless I'm getting confused with Barb Wire, hmm. I think that's a Pamela Anderson thing, like a oh. cartoon. But I know Stan Lee also co-created it, if I remember oh. correctly. So I don't think I've ever seen any of it. I've just like, know <laughs> of it. So, hmm. hey, you know, it is what it's it is. It's out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but his extensive credits as a storyboard artist include the likes of Batman the Animated Series, X-Men the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, another Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, um, Justice League, Kim Possible. He's also working on the new Rocco's Modern Life movie that I think they just announced the air date of, like the date hmm. that we're recording, apparently. Oh, wow. Um, I never really watched Rocco's Modern Life, so that doesn't really mean anything to me, but weird. I know it's important to a lot of people. Yep. um he also i didn't know this was a thing that existed it may not end up existing soon but he's apparently working on the who framed roger rabbit sequel that is apparently like in really early pre-production hmm yeah but i mean that could be one of those things that never like yeah comes to pass so who knows i mean space jam is supposed to have had a sequel like 12 times by now so (laughs) right right we'll see probably the same scenario So we'll see. I mean, I'll be excited if that does happen, just because I'm curious. Yeah, absolutely. I do love me some Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Totally, totally. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see how they do it now when, like, licensing probably being a lot tighter. Like, like I'm sure companies are a lot <laughs> more strict on their properties now than they were at the time, so. Is Ralph Breaks the Internet just, like, the current Who Framed Roger Rabbit in I that sense? I would say so. I think <laughs> I don't think anything else is really... Well, and I guess Ready Player One, to an extent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's probably more accurate. Yeah. Hmm. Which is also... I think Steven Spielberg did Roger Rabbit, didn't he? Maybe I'm, oh, I don't actually I don't know. know if he did. Well... Eh. unsure unsure and i'm not gonna google it let's move on <laughs> yeah <laughs> spider-man mm-hmm. um so this uh we introduced a bajillion and a half characters in the first episode and most of the characters we're talking about today have already been introduced uh but we didn't really talk about them so there are a few we're going to talk about and then there is actually one character we didn't meet last time so this is exciting Um, In this first of the two episodes, we get two main characters uh, that we didn't really explore last time. So the first of which is Liz Allen. We talked briefly about Liz Allen on the first um, episode we did for Spectacular, just because she's one of the characters that they did choose to change the ethnic background of which is something that this show made an, made a, a conscious effort to do to try to include more diversity. I actually think this episode makes that much more apparent than the first episode did. And I don't know if it's just because I was looking for it more, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but these two episodes felt a lot more reflective of that. Maybe because there were more crowds or there was more sub, like there's subway stuff and yeah. lots of street crowds and whatnot. But um, it was very, very apparent. Anyway, Liz Allen uh, is is important to this first episode. She's portrayed by Alana Yubak, who is Mama Imelda in Pixar's Coco, mm-hmm. which really threw me for a loop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome character and she did an amazing <laughs> job in that <laughs> so that's really really cool and that's a recent recent uh credit too um so i wonder what's to come i guess i mean she did plenty before that but there was nothing that that uh really blew me away in profile like pixar's coco did yeah um so she's i mean she's been she's been in plenty of stuff she was the the title character manny rivera in el tigre the adventures of manny rivera she also you know provided voices for tons of animated series some like timo supremo ozzy and Drix, pound puppies and others uh like those but also actually appears on screen um plenty and some of those properties are the legally blonde series uh see dad run the television show and the television show hung Nice. Yeah, I love her voice. She has such a great voice. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And it's, it's, I love, and I don't think we got any lines for her in the first episode. So it's cool that she does now and she has a lot of them and she's very important. But I love that they also got someone who, um, with their goal of like trying to bring more ethnicity or, or diversity to the show, mm-hmm. they brought a voice actress who like, also doesn't sound like a just like boring white person that you hear in every other yeah. in every other like cartoon uh-huh. you know like <laughs> they got someone who actually does have like uh i don't know if i'd call it necessarily like an accent but she has sort of like a like you can you can tell that she is not a a white person on the other end you know what i mean yeah no i think that in this in this series liz allen is supposed to be like a latina woman yeah and i believe that alana yubak is a latina woman right so right uh, it's it's funny because this show was kind of a, I think ahead of the cultural conversation in that regard mm-hmm. um, because now it's it is it's the cultural conversation to have regarding casting like nothing really gets through the filter in 2019 I don't think that was the case when the show was being made so I, I right. applaud that because it it feels like a more genuine effort to do things right you know yeah to my memory like everyone that I can think of that I know was like a character um, that's like a person of color. I think their actor does like match that. Like they didn't have anyone like flipping, like, yeah, flipping behind the scenes for it. So yeah, which as the thing that like like you said, like that's kind of been in the conversation a lot lately, and is a thing that's like been treated as like a hard thing to do for some reason. But yeah. this show proves that obviously it's not. Right. You can do it very easily and get a lot of very very good prominent amazing voice actors yeah. who match what they're supposed to look like. Well, and even just, it, it's not even, it's not even all big characters that they did this with like Peter's teacher, mm-hmm. the, the character design for that matches the ethnicity of the actor that voices him. Right. And that's just right. his teacher. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like a, a big character with a big arc or anything, but it's, it's that easy, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really that easy. <laughs> The other character that we have introduced in this episode, this is actually one that wasn't in the first episode. One of the few characters in this entire world (laughs) that wasn't introduced (laughs) in the first one. This is Max Dillon, um, also known as Electro. Yeah. He's portrayed by a great voice actor named Crispin Freeman. He has tons and tons and tons and tons of voice credits across television and video games. One of those voices that's very, very distinct. Like, if you have Mm -hmm. heard it, you will recognize it, basically. Yeah. He's also appeared in tons, tons, and tons of English dubs for anime series, including Digimon Frontier, along with yes. Darren Norris. 
Um, Big one too is Naruto. Um, yeah. I believe he's a main character in both Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. Nice, and I'm sure many, 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 many other animes. So in to that. many, <laughs> so many. <laughs> but uh, in in American animation, he is Roy Harper in Young Justice, Martian Manhunter in Justice League Action, and Mysterio in 2017 <laughs> Spider-Man animated show. Um, yeah. and many, many other things, which is. Very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's so funny. Like some of these actors are basically just collecting merit badges for how many villains they can play in the Spider-Man universe. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like who's going to get the Sinister Six first? <laughs> right. And it's always fascinating to me, like how wide their range must be or, mm-hmm. or, or how different the takes on the villains might be because it's like Josh Keaton being Peter Parker and Norman yeah. Osborn. Like Crispin Freeman is a very good actor and it's a very like good voice, but it's also a very distinct voice that I don't yeah. feel like I would select for Mysterio, but I haven't seen that <laughs> show yet. So he probably has a very a performance that maybe I don't expect. So, yeah. I want to see the uh, Spider-Man take where like John DiMaggio plays Mysterio. <laughs> oh God, that would I would love that actually. That would be really awesome. I mean, put him in anything, TBH. True, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, additionally, um, more credits for Mr. Freeman. He is also in video games, Winston in Overwatch. That's the gorilla guy, right? The hot mm-hmm. gorilla guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's uh he's also firefly in the arkham series as well as in the lego dc supervillains and of various characters across lots and lots of marvel video games and roles in well-known game franchises such as final fantasy dot hack god of war xenosaga and many 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 more you have definitely heard him in something <laughs> yes yes so this show is really just sort of carrying that on in that <laughs> most of these voice actors you've probably heard in at least one thing and probably dozens (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah but those are really the two main characters that we get introduced that we haven't already explored um which is which is pretty cool i was not expecting liz allen to necessarily be a featured character so early on but with so many characters introduced i really didn't know who to expect or what to expect or what stories they were going to pull from what character dynamics they were going to pull from um and so this was sort of a pleasant surprise for me (laughs) yeah well and it's cool because they she gets a she you know she gets a good spotlight in this mm-hmm. but it's not like at the it's 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 not like any of the other characters don't get any development like right. in the meantime like it's still even like our main characters that appear in every episode that have still get like something to do and we learn a little mm-hmm. bit more about them or get little moments so um i think the show is really well balanced in that regard yeah well let's uh let's dive into how these two characters end up featured in the same episode <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't think you would normally cross paths, these two folks. All right. Well, our episode opens in the Doctor's Connors lab, where Kurt Connors and Eddie Brock are describing to Peter and Gwen the research that the Connors are currently doing, uh, where they're experimenting with electric rays and eels. Uh, Kurt Connors explains that due to the intensity of the bioelectricity that those creatures produce, they've actually had to upgrade their equipment because they're also trying to learn more about it so they're they're kind of like amplifying and intensifying what the the creatures are already doing um so that's just kind of where we start off mm-hmm. um now because it's getting late peter and gwen do leave like i like that that martha connor's kind of points out like hey these uh these are high school kids it's a school yeah. night like dr connor's is sort of the uh like the an absent-minded kind of professor mm-hmm. the way that he's portrayed or not no i guess not absent-minded he's well 
He's like very no, consumed he's like, by his work. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Martha's like what we're all thinking when we're like, wait, what are you talking about having high school kids do an internship on a college campus like the <laughs> next day deep into the night? You know, right, right. and uh, and Kurt's like, yeah, let's explore more. <laughs> yeah, because he already basically demanded them to come the same day yep. that they learned they got the internship mm-hmm. without getting parental permission. Probably didn't get parental permission for them to stay until like 10 o'clock at night either. Right. So <laughs> Martha, Martha's really the one who knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's and that's pretty consistent across both of these episodes. Great. It's just like, guys, <laughs> can we like use common sense for a second, please? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, she she earned that doctorate. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so Peter does call Aunt May to give her a heads up that he's coming home late, um, which is kind of a continuation of the first episode establishing that he has a curfew now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be a thread throughout, which I, I am appreciating the fact that that wasn't just sort of like a one-off conversation at the end. Yeah, yeah. So we do cut back to the lab just to see what happens after Peter and Gwen leave. And basically there is this maintenance worker named Max, who is the one who's been updating the equipment that Dr. Connors were talking about. Um, So what he's doing is he's like replacing a filter um, that's somehow connected to the tank that the electric eels are living in. And while he's doing this, he ends up dropping one of his power tools, a drill, onto what looks sort of like a control panel. And when that falls onto it, it must break it in some way because you start to see sort of electricity sparking um, and you you know like, oh no, something's about to happen. And surely enough, he ends up grabbing that power tool. And when he does, he's electrocuted by the control panel. And then that sort of launches him backward into the eel tank where he is then further electrocuted. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, so electrocuted on two fronts. <laughs> it does seem like a strange, faulty system where like you just drop a drill onto a control panel and it just immediately electrocutes yeah. everything i mean you know what though this was definitely one of those things that i didn't think about when i was watching it the first time we bring this up all the time right Where like there are things that start to feel like they make less sense because we watch it so many times mm-hmm. and i caught myself doing it where i was like why didn't this seem absurd the first time i watched this yeah <laughs> like i just accepted everything that happened <laughs> right, right, <laughs> but right. really when you think about it it's it's just a tool that happens to be there on mm-hmm. a control panel that's never described or has any sort of consequence prior to that moment it's all just like sort of sort of um variables that are never defined that lead us to the conclusion that we were looking for anyway that's true because yeah you're right because we aren't given that information so there's nothing that's being contradicted like there's no reason to not to like there's no reason that we can't believe that that's what would happen when that happens because we're never spelled out like any parameters for like how these machines work you know what it is it's like the physical equivalent of techno babble on like star trek yeah where it's like what you're saying doesn't make any sense but i can't counter it because I have nothing to counter it with. Yeah. So, sure, maybe that control panel was made of glass. Like, I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> yeah, we'll send your hyper-warp space message through subspace yeah. and use the teleporter to duplicate your DNA. And oh, of course. And, like, yeah. The We're going to have to th- check your cognitive something or others. <laughs> like, what? 
<laughs> that's, the, just, that's this is what, <laughs> scan what the drill a, is scan you with a small tool and that will heal all your broken bones somehow yes yes <laughs> <laughs> except for the times when your arm needs to stay broken for plot reasons oh of course yes just, you know. yes yeah, yeah well the series uses this well like they don't fall into the trap of over explaining things yeah yeah. Which is nice. Because it is all, like, stupid comic book science that doesn't make any yeah. sense, and that's fine. Like, it also doesn't make sense that this guy being, like, electrocuted mm-hmm. twice in eel goo, like, makes him an electric being that is alive still. Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense, but that's fine. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, this is, like, a very, very straightforward, like, villain origin story, and I mm-hmm. actually really appreciated it. That said, I'm thinking about this now, and, and this didn't really occur to me until just now, but I feel like... I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it almost kind of works into the idea that like Max is doing all of this stuff by himself alone. Like they Mm -hmm. kind of point that out that he's kind of their sole, their sole like worker on it. And you could argue that it's like, well, because he was the only one doing this and doing it alone and didn't have any other help. Like maybe the way that everything was set up, there wasn't proper safety precautions put in. And that's, part of the reason why he's like so pissed off because yeah. he was given this job. Like we even get that little like snarky comment from him at the beginning, which it sort of seems like friendly teasing where like Dr. Connors is like, we've been working on doing blah, blah, techno babble stuff. And Max yeah. is like, we like, you mean just me? Like the only person who's doing anything. Yep. yep. And it's like a cute, like teasing comment first, but I feel like that kind of sets up the backbone for like why he's so angry later mm-hmm. on it's not just the circumstances but it's also the fact that like dude i'm doing this job for you. you i had no help and i got screwed over for it like when you could have made all of this better so well there are there are tons and tons of parallels in this episode to amazing spider-man 2's version of max dylan and I, you are, I think, far more familiar with the Ultimate Universe than I am because I have not read very much of it, and I believe you've read most, if not all, of it, right? Yeah. Uh, is this is this directly pulled from Ultimate's version of Max Dillon and Electro? No. You know, it's been so long since I read that, but I think he didn't really make much of an impact because I don't remember okay. the specifics. But to my memory— So that's, that's really interesting to me then. Yeah, to my memory, he was just, like, a basic, just, like, villain guy. Like, he was a basic, like, like criminal who was imbued with these powers, like, through, I think, hmm. maybe, like, Norman Osborn's exper- experiments or Whoa. something like that. It wasn't, like... That's fascinating. Yeah, like, I feel like the Amazing Spider-Man movies, like, they got the look of Electro from the Ultimate Comics, but I think it seems like the origin story came more from this cartoon. Well, you had drawn the parallel between this version of Gwen Stacy and the Amazing Spider-Man movies version of Gwen Stacy. It sounds like if there wasn't a specific comic version of these stories that they were pulling from, that it really supports your idea that maybe the Amazing movies pulled from this specific series. Yeah, well, but, you know, and it, it, it kind of is part of the course for it because, like, this was be the most recent animated yeah. show that was out. And with the Raimi Spider-Man movies, like, they would they pulled a couple of things from the animated series. Like, their whole symbiote stuff yeah. was more from the 90s show because that was the... It wasn't necessarily the most recent Spider-Man show, but it was, like, the most recent, like, regular, like, yeah. normal, popular one. It's so, like in the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. So it, it makes, it does make sense. I mean, and, and I guess everything, every movie that's ever come out is always kind of pulling for, like, what the most recent, uh, hmm, I don't know, like, the most recent, like, cultural, like, moment for yeah. Spider-Man is. Like, yeah. like, the way that Homecoming 
like Tom Holland's Spider-Man like pulls a lot of like Iron Spider type stuff that mm-hmm. is much much more recent in the comics than anything else, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and if if you're if you you know watch the cartoons and whatnot, but didn't watch the movies, or if you're not a fan of the second movie and don't remember necessarily, because I know that movie has a lot of detractors. Jamie Foxx's Electro is an underappreciated maintenance guy who falls into a tank of electric eels. Like it's <laughs> yeah. very, very clear that these two versions of electro are originating the same. So yeah, I just found that very interesting. <laughs> it is. And I never even really thought about that, but yeah, it is. It is really interesting. Yeah. It's like, it's very similar. And I just Googled, like I just, uh, looked on Wikipedia real quick, just to double check that I wasn't remembering wrong. And yeah. it's right. Like the ultimate electro, he was just a science experiment. Huh. It was Justin Hammer was the guy who did it. Not, Norm, uh, not uh, Norman Osborn. That was yeah. literally, but that's it. Like there's, huh. like, that's why I didn't remember much for him because he didn't really have much of a personality. He was just a bad wow. guy. That's yeah. okay. Wow. That's really, really wild. Yeah. That's yeah. going to make me want to watch those movies all over again after we finish this series. Yeah. Just to see how much of it is, is so similar because as we progress through this episode and the sort of, sort of journey that Max Dillon takes throughout this episode, it really is very similar to what we watch in those movies. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, something to something to consider. So anyway, um, he ends up electrocuted uh, once and then is blown back into the tank and is electrocuted again. And naturally, um, <laughs> Dr. Kurt Connors and Eddie bring him to the hospital because holy smokes, how is he not dead? Yep. So we do learn at the hospital that he is generating some kind of electricity from his body. We don't really know how that's working. We just know that Kurt Connors tells one of the doctors in the emergency room, wear these gloves because you won't be able to touch him. And then basically says like, you got to quarantine this guy. So they take him to an isolation ward, which is another similarity to how they treat Jamie Foxx's (laughs) electro. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting, man. All these connections. I don't really, Mm -hmm. I only saw the, the amazing Spider-Man two once, like in the theater. I haven't seen it since then. So my memory of it is a little bit faulty. I rewatched it like maybe a couple years ago and had like one of those moments where I was like, guys, it's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it was that bad when I saw it. I think the problems that I had with it were big, but like it wasn't a complete catastrophe. It just had too much bad stuff that didn't really balance out a lot of the good stuff in it, but it had good stuff in it. Yeah. Jamie Foxx's Electro being one of the good things, I thought. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people didn't like him. I, eh. I disagree with it. A lot of people also didn't like, yeah. the, like the dubstep Electro stuff. I thought that oh, no. was fucking cool. That was perfect, and it was entirely culturally appropriate. Yeah. But, it was, you know. It was such a creative <laughs> a creative way to handle like what otherwise, I mean, might not be like an energy being just jumping through stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not really that interesting to look at normally. It gave it mm-hmm. some like really interesting flair that really kind of helped dramatize what was happening. Yeah. But anyway, we're not talking about that movie here. <laughs> <laughs> we have a different Electro to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where are we? Oh, so he is. Uh, so after we kind of see him in the isolation ward, we jump back to Peter. Um, we get him rushing, uh, rushing to school via web swinging. Um, we get a cool little moment where it's like the exact same pose that he makes from Spider-Man two on the train, mm-hmm. um, which you also see like in the opening credits. So just a neat little, little, little thing. Um, very little cool reference. sequence. They really, really played into the, like, where's he going? What's he chasing after? Cause he like webs onto a helicopter and like runs on the side of a building. And it's like, Whoa, action sequence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he has all these like, like little bits of narration that's like yeah. oh no this is like the worst thing that's ever happened to me oh no what am i gonna do and then yeah. it's just like oh he's just late for school late oh. for school <laughs> <laughs> i 
appreciate it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, Plus, it's... wall running is just cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, everything in that sequence is really is really great. It's yeah. just, and it's really um, exemplary of how well this show does his like web swinging and his acrobatics yeah. and stuff. For sure. Once he gets into school, I actually really like the classroom scene. I think it's really funny mm-hmm. and, and well done. Um, so he rushes to school and he overhears Flash Thompson reading a, a Daily Bugle headline about Spider-Man. It's just, it's like, oh wow, Spider-Man in action. Yeah. And Peter realizes that he his shirt's kind of like disheveled and exposing his Spider-Man costume under it. So he thinks that he's talking to him and he pulls it down and he's like, it's not what you think. And <laughs> I love like the timing <laughs> of it is perfect because Flash is immediately just like, it is so doofus. <laughs> And it shows that, and he shows him that he's just talking about the bugle headline, which is a reward mm-hmm. for capturing photos of Spider-Man. <laughs> and then it's even funnier because then Peter's just like, "Oh no, that was that was my idea. Like I'm the one who told Jameson to get pictures of Spider-Man." And Harry's like, "So you just told him to get pictures of someone who's famous? Like, yeah, revolutionary idea, buddy." <laughs> yeah, and that's like, can I point out too that that's like pretty much all Harry does in this episode is like to shoot Peter down in this moment. <laughs> true (laughs) but it was really good it was like very well timed and very well done (laughs) yeah and it's funny too because like i wouldn't call it like a deconstruction or anything but it's a nice like kind of pointing out like the whole the whole shtick of peter parker and spider-man it's that's like oh peter parker is spider-man so he takes pictures of himself as spider-man but like the fact that like peter parker himself is the star photographer who gets spider-man's pictures like who has this brilliant idea idea to take pictures of spider-man yeah. it's also kind of like absurd where it's just like he's gonna have paparazzi following him like that's not yep. like no one else is going to have that idea <laughs> yeah it actually is kind of one of the things that i think sort of makes the peter parker as photographer to spider-man work less and less with the progression of like real world technology mm-hmm. because now it's almost a standard in in movies that have these sort of like grand action sequences to put extras in who are holding up their cell phones because that's a real yep. thing yep. Like it's a natural thing it would be unnatural for you not to put those people in there so it's it yeah it, it becomes less and less of a of a novel concept or maybe more and more of a novel concept yeah depending on how you're using that um that peter parker has this brilliant idea to take pictures of spider-man um, which actually just makes what he does um, harder and harder to do, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, you can see this in both of these episodes, I think, mm-hmm. where you have multiple bystanders trying to take pictures with their phones. Like, yep. like what happened? What would happen now? Even more so than in two thousand eight. But like, they always, each and every time, they have to figure out some way for the phone to get broken, or <laughs> to like have to run away before they get yeah. taken the picture or something. Which is really funny to like to think about. Like this, it would be impossible to do now. You just have to avoid the scenario entirely now. Yeah. Well, this is a really interesting storyline for them to carry over three episodes because they don't resolve this in this episode they resolve it over the course of three this idea that he is going to try to enter this contest that flash is reading about in this classroom which is basically you know get pictures of spider-man and we'll pay you if they're the best ones you know and so then it sets off this 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 motivation for peter and then he intersects with other people just in the background who are doing the same thing he's doing they're all right competing with one another which is such a it's almost unnecessary but it adds so much to what's going on yeah and it doesn't like take up any any time that it shouldn't either like it's all it's all just kind of like color for everything that's happening you know like it's usually always done within the context of like big action sequences anyway so it's not like it's taking away from plot or anything like that which yeah i think 
something that I that I'm noticing as we're watching this show that I didn't really pick up on when I watched it originally is that like the show is very um there's a word for it that I can't think of, but it's like, it's it, the way that it handles its time. Like every second does something and it's, yeah. it's it, like, there's, there's no wasted time, I guess is the thing. And it's not in the way that like, like the nineties animated show was just like super fast paced and like packed a lot mm-hmm. of stuff in. It's not necessarily like dense all the time. No. It's just that like, there's never a point where you're watching it where it's just like, well, okay. Like there's never just like a, a, a point where it's clear that the episode is too short and <laughs> padded out or anything like that. Like yeah. everything is for something, even if, even if something plot relevant isn't happening, there's still some color to the world. There's still just some way they're showcasing like Peter web swinging in a really cool way. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, this show is just, it's, it's, it's really cool. Like how much attention that they pay to pacing out these episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, after that class, because they, you know, this is this is him coming in for the day, and, and at the end of that class period, um, Peter and, and his classmates receive a graded test that they had taken the day before, and we learn that Peter received, as the teacher says, another A+, and that Liz Allen received a D-. So after the class actually lets out, the teacher pulls Liz and Peter aside and basically says, Liz, if you want to get a better grade, I'm recommending that you get tutored by Peter Parker, which, of course, she's like disgusted by. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually really funny because she's like, (laughs) she's like, like, why can't Flash tutor me? Oh, my gosh, this is so good. (laughs) It's so funny. Professor Warren's just like, "Um, I don't think you understand. We want your grade to go up. (laughs) <laughs> but but it's it's so well timed because he doesn't immediately say it. He just like stares at her for a moment, like yep. what? <laughs> yep. Spoiler, that's like one of the faces yeah. of this episode too. Oh, it's so nailed good. It. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it's such a good moment. And you know, Flash and and um uh, what's her name? Sally are yeah. are sitting there watching this happen and of course just fueling her her anti Parker fire in that moment. Um and you know, like I don't know. Peter has no motivation to to really be a part of this. Um but he's yeah. a nice guy and he he still is sort of like I don't he doesn't really want to he doesn't really want to have anything to do with Flash, but we did see him try to like pick up one of the cheerleaders. So I'm sure there's at least some sort of like intrigue in like tutoring a cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, he's a he's a horny teenage boy. Like yeah. that makes sense. But yeah. but but it's not like he's He's not gonna be. He's not going out of his way to make this happen. It's just kind of like no. a happy coincidence, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll do it. Cool." Like, yeah, they don't really explore it very far. It's not like we're putting that on the situation. They don't portray that as part of the situation, right? The sort of like, "Oh, horny teenage boy." <laughs> um, right, right. But uh, anyway, after that, Eddie Brock vis- visits Max in the hospital and learns that though Max's condition has stabilized, he's been like confined to this containment suit kind of thing. It's very interestingly designed. I kind of dig I'm, it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm super into it. Yeah. Like, very, very into it. And yeah. I didn't know what he was going to ultimately look like. Like, I, I, I didn't know what Electro's design was like. Because I've been trying not to watch the, the opening sequence too much. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw this, I was like, ooh, interesting take. Very excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love his eyes. Well, yes. when his, his his eyes in the mask, yes. they're kind of cute, actually. And yes. they're really expressive. Okay, dare I say, like, containment suit electro hot, question mark? Yeah, no, I get, <laughs> no, I get that. I don't know. I it's don't weird because he's, would... like, in a suit. But, yeah, he has, like, I don't know if it's because you only see his eyes or what. But, like, I don't know. 
I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> There's I can't figure out like what cat fetish category it fits into exactly, <laughs> but like it's one of them. And yeah. no, I I agree with you. Yeah, and I think it is. I think it is like all in the eyes because they get a lot of mileage out of. The, the animations of his eyes like i bet you cause... that is it like his his eyes have to be so much more expressive and if you're mm-hmm. I, I feel like most people are probably drawn to eyes in some way shape or form mm-hmm. and so yeah the more expression that's put there the more you're sort of drawn into him as a character so that makes sense i, yeah. I, I, I buy that yeah and when and and i think it also helps you kind of endear your endear to him because when he is like sad like whenever he has like an expression of sadness related oh. to his circumstances like you feel really bad for him yeah and it is like crap circumstances but yeah. like i think that just really amps it all up yeah i do think this is a sympathetic max dylan for sure 100 percent. like i don't know how you would walk away from this not feeling bad for him yeah yeah it, it only gets it only gets worse oh, <laughs> throughout yeah. this episode too yep um but the reason he's in this containment suit is as we you could probably guess his body is generating this constant stream of bioelectricity, uh, which Kurt explains. Um, basically, he needs the suit to protect himself and others, um, which Max is very sad about, as we see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kurt promises to find a cure for Max, but uh, Max is very resentful. He responds that it's the least you can do. Yeah. It's the first sort of like uh, inkling we get that uh, he's going to blame he's going to blame Kurt Connors. Like yep. we could predict it based on their dynamic before the accident, but there was no way to be sure. Like now we're sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So later that evening, um, while Eddie is keeping Max company, also I'm going to interject here because this Eddie is like the best. Like he's just so like he's just like a a beautiful beam of light. <laughs> Like, this Eddie Brock is, like, the nicest, like, most, like, caring, sweet human being ever. Yeah. And I know what's supposed to happen to Eddie Brock. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, nervous because so many versions of Eddie Brock are sort of, uh, like, rough around the edges or even close to despicable or corrupt mm-hmm. in some way or, you know, just roided out or whatever. And this <laughs> yeah. Eddie is just, like, a cinnamon bun. It's it's really fascinating that they <laughs> that they set him up like this. Yeah, and, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> right, I think and I think that's very intentional because it's like they. I mean, he's one of like the core villains that everybody knows. So yeah. like, it's it's really cool they did it, and I love that. Like, there's not any basis for this. Like, this was very much their invention. Like, even the ultimate version of Eddie, like they are drawing a lot from that in terms of him, like knowing about science and him mm-hmm. being like best friends with Peter or whatever. But his personality is so distinct. And it's just like ev- at every at every turn in these episodes, you're constantly just seeing him like be very loyal and yeah. like, standing up for justice and trying to save the day and just being like really sweet and helping his friends and like yeah, we don't it's even like get a, any like a human golden retriever like, right yeah <laughs> like we don't even get any real indication that eddie was necessarily friends with max ahead of time like right. as far as we know he literally just knows him from work <laughs> but yeah but eddie's the guy who cares about the maintenance like he sees yeah. the maintenance people you know yeah <laughs> yeah because so many people don't but eddie does and eddie's that guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we so, got a couple anyway. other similar moments of <laughs> noticing things later too it's yeah. really great yeah. yeah. So I had to I had to throw that out there because I'm just like consistently sort of like Eddie, you're the best. Like you're the best character on this show. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. from a from a like pure heart standpoint, which is so Absolutely. bizarre. 
even even with like having for me like having watched the whole show yeah it'll still be fun to kind of track his character like beat by beat as we go yeah. along just I, given you know i'm like, just like i'm like a total <laughs> loss you know like I'm, I'm like running scenarios in my head which i shouldn't do i should just like let it happen um and i, I will because i can't imagine like how things are yeah. supposed to go i have no well, idea i think you know this is a thesis that I'm going to set up right now that I'm kind okay. of just now thinking about. But I think that this show, the the part of the thing that I that I think is part of the greatness of this show and why it works for Spider-Man fans is that it's fully aware of how how culturally significant and like known Spider-Man is. Okay. It's fully aware of like what the knowledge in in the world of him is, and mm-hmm. I think it sort of like weaponizes that in some oh, respects. No, <laughs> no, I mean I mean that in a good way. Oh, okay. In that it's sort of like it knows what you know, so it's gonna try its best to kind of like create okay. this, create swerves specifically because you know mm. what you know. Like if you're a kid watching it with no Spider-Man knowledge, well, it's sure. not gonna matter. This is just gonna be what you're watching what you're watching. But it also works for people who know exactly where all these characters <laughs> go. Because because with stuff like this, like with Eddie, where it's just like, well how is he gonna get from point A to point B mm-hmm. if point A is like a million miles away? And I feel like the show sort of does that. Like it's not just subverting expectations necessarily. It's like it's it's just sort of like messing with your knowledge of things and making you like question if question everything that you're watching. So like I think you trying to like think about the possibilities. I think <laughs> like they actually, know I'm doing that. I think it's exactly what they want you to do. Right. Mm. You know, the last time I I consumed a piece of media in the Spider-Man universe that did that was Spider-Man PS4. <laughs> yeah i really think it's kind of on the, in the it's not exactly the same it's you know be, well I sure think because but, you in that case i knew exactly how point a to point b was going to be but they they knew that i knew what the path was and so they showed it to me the whole way this mm-hmm. one's doing like the opposite where they're making the path so long that i can't possibly see the end of the road and where it's going right right yeah uh so i'm very 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 excited um, awesome. But for the meantime, I'm just I'm just going to absolutely adore Eddie Brock. This show is going to make me fall in love with every single character, isn't it? <laughs> like I'm yep. in love with Otto Octavius, and I've seen him for like 12 seconds. I love Max Dillon. I love Eddie Brock. I'm obsessed with Gwen because she's dope. Harry right. is like dropping like uh, like perfect one-liners every three sec. Well, not every three seconds. Like once an episode, yeah. perfectly paced. He's not so. a wiener. It's amazing. No, <laughs> right? He's totally not. I love Martha. Obsessed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the show's dangerous. All right. Yep. Good luck. <laughs> well, Eddie, the most pure human being on the planet, is keeping Max company in the hospital. Um, and Max loses his temper, um, basically because he's trying to use the TV, but his his you know, bioelectricity is getting in the way of anything that would work that way. Um, so he, that sort of sets him off. He loses his temper. He starts talking about all the things that he wanted to do with his life that he doesn't believe he can do because he's not, you know, confident that there's a cure for what's going on to him. So, you know, Eddie tries to calm him down, but ultimately Max just is like deuces and like runs away from the hospital. (laughs) He's just like, I'm not doing this. And just tries to do, like, a normal human thing. He just tries to go get coffee. Like, he just wants to leave the hospital and get a damn cup of coffee. (laughs) That's all he wants, everyone. Let the man drink some coffee. (laughs) (sighs) But of course, 
Of course, he can't just have his coffee. Nope, nope. <laughs> I, I, I do want to point out, I don't understand why the hospital who created this great like containment suit, I mean, I assume Kurt Connors was yeah. too, created this great containment suit. Why did they give him retractable gloves? There is a lot about the hospital and the suit in general that doesn't make <laughs> a lot of sense. Like, the isolation ward is just a room. Like, it's yeah. just a regular hospital. He could have jumped out the window. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know what was so... Sp- he literally just ran out the door. Like, that door was not locked. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like, it's an isolation room. So I, there's one point where you hear a heart rate monitor. I was like, oh, I guess you're just hearing it, like, from a patient next door or something. But if he's supposed to be truly isolated, then I guess that's his heart monitor. But he's not actually hooked to anything, and it shouldn't be working because it of wouldn't his bioelectricity work. anyway. So why right. is there... So it's just like they threw in that sound effect because it sounds like a hospital, I guess. But it doesn't I make guess. sense. <laughs> yeah, and how... If he's in a containment suit, how are they going to monitor literally any of his right. biological functions? Like, right. I don't know. So right. there's a lot. I mean, the suit... There's There's... There's more to the suit in that same vein that doesn't make any sense because when he goes to get his coffee, when he wants to just do like a normal human thing, he ends up getting this coffee and he's he tries to drink it by like letting his little like mouth like thing go down like his he has a little yeah. mouth plate that goes up and down. Yeah. So that yeah. he can eat, <laughs> which My- is just even more adorable. I know it's it is very very cute. Oh, like oh, you poor little thing. <laughs> like you just want a coffee. You you put your little mouth plate down and you can't even drink your coffee. It's so cute. Oh, poor Max. Poor He's guy. Such a He's such a little whoopee. <laughs> I do think at first I was questioning like, well, if he can't drink coffee without blowing it up, like is he just going to die from starvation? I feel like though, the fact that he has the mouthpiece thing means that and the fact that like he isn't like spoiler alert like this isn't his only appearance like he's not dead after this he doesn't starve to death i think he can still like eat and drink and stuff i think it's just in this episode he can't control anything yeah well i i think the next scene is going to start to like give us some insight into that i i think it's coming up pretty soon right maybe i don't know which one you're referring to but sure like uh, (laughs) yeah yeah it definitely is yeah yeah i I think we're gonna get to that okay um I th- I think so. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so this the coffee shop is significant because this is where Peter is tutoring Liz. So this is like the crossing paths of the episode that is like required for things to progress. Right. So he ends up at this coffee shop and Peter's trying to tutor Liz, but like she could not care less. She's texting uh, Flash and then she calls Flash and, and, you know, Max Dillon ends up at the coffee shop and causes a ruckus and then storms out. And Peter's just like, you know what? Forget this. Like, the tutoring (laughs) thing is stupid. I'm going to go check out what this suspicious guy is doing, right? So he follows, you know, this suspicious character. He has no idea what happened inside. He just saw him storm out. And what ends up happening is Peter is so preoccupied with getting good shots for the Daily Bugle contest that he's not really paying attention to the fight in front of him. He, like, Mm -hmm. ties up Max like between two buildings he's trying to take like these selfies which by the way he was not calling selfies did you notice he was calling them self-portraits because there was a term for it before selfie yeah that's so true Uh uh-huh um but he's trying to take these pictures and decides that it's not a good enough picture if max has his mask on so he pulls max's max he pulls max's mask off that is a tongue twister (laughs) and that's when we sort of see max's 
like electrical discharges really start to lose control. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even tells Spider-Man, like, you really shouldn't do that. Like, yeah. you should not do that. Um, so I think I think that is exactly what it is, like what you were saying. Like, he just doesn't control anything because he's been in this state for a day at, at most. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think he can drink. I think he can eat. I think he just doesn't know how to, like, turn it on and off. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. This whole sequence, man, it's like Peter's make Peter's being real dumb, like intentional, like it's so intentional dumb. in the episode. But it's like I, that, but I kind of like that because and he doesn't like he 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 definitely gets his comeuppance for it uh, in yeah. a lot of ways. But I like that through the idea of like the education of Peter Parker, which was Greg Weissman's whole mm-hmm. whole theme for the show. Part of education is like failing and learning from your mistakes and peter makes a lot of mistakes and he really is kind of very responsible for where max ends up going as a villain ultimately like yeah he's he's being really shitty to him at this point and not listening to him and kind of just being a dick when like really he was just chasing after a guy that like looked kind of suspicious that he didn't Mm -hmm. he doesn't even really know what he did or if he did anything he could have just been harassing a dude you know yeah yeah, because this fight ends up being one where, you know, Max's mask ends up off, and so he's losing control of his electricity, and, it, and you know, Spider-Man's just trying to stop him because chaos is ensuing, and he's identified this person as the cause of it, so at one point, Max even points at Spider-Man and says, why are you attacking me? Like, why are you doing this? And when he points, he shoots electricity at Spider-Man, which ends up causing, like, a sign to blow up or fall down or something like that Mm -hmm. and so it ends up being this sort of really sort of unfortunate sequence of events where max dylan is destroying all this stuff but he's not meaning to but nobody knows that he's not meaning to so they're just treating him like any other destructive villain which again is sort of a thing that happens in amazing spider-man 2 and (gasps) and in times square Spider-Man is like living up the fact that everybody loves him and is taking pictures and we get the fireman hat scene where he's like hamming it up and not paying attention to the fact that Max Dillon is like in pain. Oh my God. I forgot (laughs) about all, I need to watch that movie again. Yeah. I forgot about all of that. Yeah. That's so true. That's like pulled right from this. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is a, a villain who's just like, in pain and doesn't know what he's doing it's a it's sort of a you know another body horror type thing which will kind of be a theme for our episode covering these two has no idea what he's doing or how he's doing it and no one's just stopping to like think for a moment like oh shoot now granted we do see very shortly after this that peter is sort of humbled by the experience because he learns shortly after like oh shoot that was max like i know that guy and that's what makes him think twice yeah yeah, which I appreciate how that's done because he just is just like, I mean, even his narration, it, it's like back to back is is so distinct. Cause he's yeah. just like he's calling him names, he's still calling him lightning butt and stuff, and mm-hmm. then immediately after, it's just like, oh god, that was that was Max. Like I could I could help them. He could have easily like talked him down, you know. Right. But and that's when he even says there there's a moment, and it's it's that one. I don't know why I alluded to it as if it were a different moment. This <laughs> moment where you know he learns that it's max that's when peter starts in his own language saying i attacked him yeah. <laughs> like which he will carry through the through the episode you know he mm-hmm. will he will continue to believe that he is the one who attacked electro which i think is a really important point um for the development of of where max dylan goes and and how peter responds to that right 
There were a couple things that we sort of like glossed over because of that. I want to bring up the fact that like when Peter ditches Liz, she's like suddenly like, oh, how interesting. (laughs) How interesting this Peter Parker is. Um, Which my first reaction was like, of course, because, you know, we we covered the first season of the 90s show where when Peter acts like a dick to Felicia, she's suddenly like super horny for him. (laughs) At least at least in this case. Liz is already dating an asshole and only hanging out for the most part, with one exception, a bunch of toxic guys. So I don't know that she's a like really <laughs> like opened herself up to the fact that like she can be treated well. Uh, right. So she doesn't see the guy that's treating her well, and then when he storms off, that's when she's like, Oh, this is what guys are. Now I'm attracted to you. <laughs> right. Right. But it's still like There's still the history of, like, women falling for Peter when he acts like dicks to them. (laughs) I know. It's so annoying. It's less egregious here, but it's the history exists. You can't erase it. (laughs) Yeah. And I can sort of rationalize this one a little bit, too, because I feel like it's it's not so much that it's just that Peter is being a dick and that it's just, like, she's attracted to toxic guys, but so much that it's, like, she's actually seeing that, like, Peter is... Peter is a guy like he can be a person too. And then it's like, Oh, okay. He's not just this like nerdy guy. He can actually act a lot like flash does sometimes, which in her book is not a bad thing, but you know, (laughs) and he, there is like, I mean, there's, it's definitely nuanced, right? Like he's not, he's not being aggressive to her. He's not like calling her names or anything. He's not treating her like trash. He's just standing up for himself in the moment. Yeah. And so that's sort of the difference there, but she's seeing confidence (laughs) and and confidence is attractive. Like it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is in their fight, Aunt May ends up calling Peter because he's late. So this is sort of our like second Aunt May call, um, I think, in two days. And that's kind of how Electro manages to get away um, because they're fighting and fighting. And he's like, oh, shoot, I got to I got to call Aunt May because my I think his alarm goes off or something or she calls. Yeah. I don't know. And then he turns around and Electro's gone. Mm-hmm. then yeah. the next day he finds out it's max right i like that like aunt may doesn't hear any of the explosions happening on the phone call <laughs> at all <laughs> i know right yeah <laughs> the whole exchange is funny because he's she's uh mentioning that it's like gonna rain and he should have mm-hmm. brought an umbrella and then he's like oh, i don't think an umbrella would help but i really right. like his delivery josh keaton's delivery when it's just like uh, it's like oh i mean uh it's not raining here yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that was good all these phone calls are so funny because each time we are seeing him once again try to explain like why he's late in a way that clearly can't reflect what's actually going on and that you know maybe it doesn't get old because it's not constant but uh i i do enjoy it every time oh yeah (laughs) like how is he gonna explain this one oh yeah well and it helps that he does he is always like doing stuff every night so he does always have like a basis for an excuse he just has to kind of exaggerate it a little bit every time Right. And I like that that May basically says, like, you're taking advantage of this. Like, you are really getting close to the line here, buddy. Mm-hmm. We haven't yeah. seen a lot of Aunt May yet, but I, I really do like how they are characterizing her. I totally agree. Yeah, I like yeah. this Aunt May a lot. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned that the next day Peter learns that the guy he called Electro is, in fact, the maintenance worker Max. Um, and this is also <laughs> when he finds out his own photos were pretty terrible. Um, so he, he's really sort of like knocked down a peg and, uh, and, and, and sort of reflective about the whole thing. So when he ends up running into Liz sort of a couple minutes later, he ends up apologizing to her as well. 
um, and says like, if, if you want, I will, I will still tutor you. Like we can still do that. So good moment where Peter's really forced to reflect on his actions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Liz is still turned on by him mm-hmm. being confident, but also kind of being a little bit aloof, like, Oh, aloof is that. a very good word for it. Yeah. I think that the 90s show thought they were doing aloof, but this is aloof. <laughs> yeah. This is like Peter is occupied with other things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so after that, we get back to the Connors lab where we see Gwen trying to brainstorm solutions with Kirk Connors. Um, He explains that the eels are evolved to live in water, but Max is not. So even though the eels can survive in that, like, what Eddie calls the sludge, that, like, Mm -hmm. green glowy stuff, uh, Max could survive in it because he's not aquatic. He's not an eel. So that, unfortunately, wouldn't work, and they have to find some kind of alternate solution. And, in fact, Eddie stresses this by saying that Max shouldn't go anywhere near water, or else it'll, like, explode or something like that. So that's set up. Um, <laughs> we, uh, they do that well. They do They do they a couple do. things like that where it's never really heavy-handed, yeah. um, but you kind of know why they're doing it, uh, and I, I appreciate that. This is certainly not the only time they do something like that. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's just. It's just good writing. Like it's like yeah. you, like you know you have a, you have you have a certain amount of time you have to get to your next plot point and a certain amount yeah. of time you have to deliver this exposition to to make sure that everything makes sense. Like and it's and it's as natural as it can be. It works. Yeah, it's the kind of it's the lines that we wished that um, amazing friends would have just thrown in every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So speaking of Max, he does attempt to return home. Um, and this is kind of weird. So he's approached by one of the hospital's doctors and along with two police officers. They're trying to convince him to return for medical care. So the doctor is like kind of calmly talking to Max, but then like the cop that he brought with him, which God, I feel like I'm pretty sure the cop is supposed to be Stan Carter. Um, first of all. Um, okay. just throwing that out there because it's it's this show so everybody's somebody um, of course <laughs> um but the cop butts in and starts threatening him where it's just like did did the doctor like really fill him fill these two cops into what's going on did they provide like the proper precautions for dealing with a guy that's like literally like electrocution or uh electricity incarnate like doesn't look like it because they're mm-hmm. just being assholes and just have their guns on them yeah max Honestly, kind of understandably responds by just blowing up their police cruiser and runs He's off. He's fed up. <laughs> he is. And so I mean, over it. He was probably going home to take a nap on the freaking couch. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was going to his home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it sucks. I and it's just like that's, that's just the case. Which just kind of continually gets worse for him, and none, yeah. none of it's his fault. Mm-hmm. They were just being a, everybody's just being a dick. Like I yeah. would I would be really grumpy at this point too. For real. <laughs> yeah, but <sighs> he decides that he wants to find Kirk Connors um, because he believes that he's probably the only one who can cure him. So he runs off to find him. Yeah, so so Max heads off to, to the Connors lab. Um, before he, But before he gets there, uh, Liz Allen actually shows up at the lab where Gwen, Eddie, and Peter already are because the internship, right? So Liz is sort of like talking to Eddie, and I, I really enjoy this moment because, of course, Eddie is the purest uh, being on the planet. And she says, like, so are you quarterback for Empire State or whatever? They're, is it Empire State? Is that what they yeah, call it? Yeah, Empire State. ESU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, always, I, I guess I hear ESU far more frequently then, huh? Because yeah, Empire so. State sounded so weird. Anyway, um, so Eddie's like, no, I, I, I gave up football. I'm, I'm a nerd now, like kind of humorously, but also like seriously because he likes science. 
And then Peter says, like, we're actually all nerds here. And Liz sort of responds like, oh, okay. And then this is where Peter's like, no, but, like, you could be a nerd, too, in a nice way. Because he's like, you're actually really smart. Like, you yeah. could you could be doing these types of things because you have the ability to do it. And this sort of starts to establish, like, an, a strange friendship. Not, I don't know friendship's not right there's some sort of connection there between the two because of course Liz is going to enjoy being complimented right yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's like a mutual respect kind of thing where yeah she's sort of seeing him more like a person because he's actually yes. like being nice to her and she's and she's seeing that like he notices things in her so yeah. I, it, they're I mean, seeing it's just, each other that's a good yeah, way to put it exactly they're seeing each other right which before you know they were running in, in different circles and that yeah. were like kind of aggressive to each other or uh so you know you're not yeah that's the problem with with like clicks in high school is that mm-hmm. you're not necessarily looking at the other people as people well and that's and peter ends up sort of talking about that but through metaphor he's talking about it with like the eels and makes something about like science and connections and human connections and could would wouldn't it be cool if we could all just connect more or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Which of course she's like, oh wow. <laughs> and then we cut to like Eddie looking at Gwen reacting to that, and she is just so straight faced, just sort yeah. of like, um, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which could be, and again, I don't I don't know how this show will deliver things, but up to this point, it could simply be that she's like that's ridiculous, or it could be that she's jealous. Yeah. Um, I read it as kind of probably jealous but it could go either way honestly i read the look as being more sad than anything else like subtly sad not just like oh poor poor me but just kind of like subtly just like or or disappointed i guess yeah that's jealous is a strong word disappointed sounds a bit a little bit better yeah Yeah. because it's like he's i i i read it as and i'm i'm strictly like trying to think of it in terms of just this episode not future episodes yeah but just like disappointed that he's giving Liz all of these compliments that I feel like probably she maybe isn't getting from him necessarily. Like it's how I maybe read it. Um, And Gwen has been, um, I don't know if we've seen it to this point, but we will at least see it in the next episode. I think Gwen's attitude towards how the quote nerds are treated by the jocks and the popular kids is like, don't give them any time. Like just ignore them. Like forget about them. They're not worth it. So the fact that, Peter's giving one of them any attention at all um, is already sort of antithetical to how she views the circumstance and then to be doing it with compliments and like positive attention and to get a good response from it is probably very disappointing. Right. Right. Well, that's sad. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, meanwhile, uh, Martha Connors is delivering news to Kurt um, and she, or she goes to deliver some news to Kurt rather, and she finds him injecting himself with a substance she can't identify. Um, Kurt's just like throws out like, "Oh yeah, it's genetically altered lizard DNA." Oh yeah, and didn't she's I like, mention that? Honey? <laughs> right. It's like, <laughs> uh, but before she could like literally have any reaction whatsoever, Max kind of thankfully, I guess, arrives and mm-hmm. uh, you know breaks that tension. Um, yep. He's <laughs> seeking out and threatening Kurt. He fully blames him for the accident, which is fair. Yeah, I I really love the moment that comes right after this because obviously Peter is figuring like okay no one else here is going to do anything so I'm going to have yeah. to out myself as Spider Man. I mean and there's like literally no hesitation. He's just immediately thinking to himself, well, sorry, no more secret identity for me, I guess. Yeah. But before he can do anything, Eddie being like fucking awesome, right? He, a pure uh, being of light. <laughs> he <laughs> he goes all hero and uh, rushes to distract Max 
uh, which is to allow Peter, Gwen, and Liz to escape out the back. Mm-hmm. So again, I love that like Peter is fully willing to let go of his secret identity if if it, if it comes to that. Which I don't. Yeah. I feel like that we've seen so many shows and iterations where like he goes to absurd lengths to protect his identity. Which yeah. actually, like the first example I can think of is also the Amazing Spider-Man Two movie, <laughs> where like his supposedly like best friend is dying, and he's yeah. like, "No, I'm not going to save your life because then you'll know I'm Spider-Man." <laughs> like, mm. Mm, <laughs> maybe a dick move. <laughs> yeah, not not great, not a good look. <laughs> yeah, so I like that the, the way that the show handles that. Yeah, I like I, I like that moment a lot too. Um, it's just it's a it's a good one, and of course you know. Eddie rushes off to save the day, as he does. (laughs) So Peter ends up taking advantage of this opportunity. It's kind of like a perfect, perfect situation. He ends up suiting up and confronts the now enraged Max. And this is, it's, it's so sad because Max is like, he's at a point where he is threatening Dr. Kirk Connors, but also knows that Kirk Connors is the only person who probably can help him, which has got to be really confusing. Plus he's like on stimulate like it's just like on overload like totally stimulated he's like literally electricity like he's just like he's flailing he's like a cornered animal poor guy so spider-man attempts to apologize for attacking max earlier this is what i was talking about where he will just straight up acknowledge like i attacked you i'm sorry i was wrong and i i like that i think that is really really cool that they did that but max is already already rampaging so he ends up attacking Spider-Man instead and has this moment where he basically responds to them calling him Max and trying to like de-escalate the situation with like, no, like F that no more Max Dylan. He even says, what is it that you called me? Oh, that's right. I'm Electro now. And just like fully embraces that and then goes like totally bonkers on the lab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he goes like full on. He's just like accepted. Like, well, I guess we're yeah. a villain now, and we're just gonna go for yeah. it, which is really That's depressing and deep and real. Yeah. The, yeah, I mean that is exactly the like when people feel like they are constantly made the villain, they start to feel like they have nowhere to turn but to be the villain. Right. Right. This is this is why <laughs> this is. I mean, this is this is a lot of like geographical stuff that we don't necessarily need to get into but that is real that is a real thing when you constantly treat Mm -hmm. certain people like they are villains they will end up embracing that because you're not giving them a chance yep yep and that's what's happening to max it's actually really powerful i think and really the only thing that he really does wrong i think is that like he doesn't really give people enough time necessarily this all does happen very he like he has a descent into like villainy very quickly yes but his circumstances are like also the utmost extreme too. So yep. I don't really know what I would do in that situation. You know, like I would hope that I'd be more level headed, but yeah. he's also been through like a pretty insane trauma. And yeah. some of the things he talked about, like earlier when he was talking to Eddie, he was like, Oh, I was going to go back to college. I was going to like have a life, have a family and stuff. And so it's like the idea that you've just lost literally everything through no fault of your own. Yeah. And everyone's also like treating you like shit for it. Like it's your fault. Like, yeah, I, I kind of yeah. totally get the idea of going off the deep end because of that. And he has no idea how to, like, turn himself down or ground his literal electricity. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know where to put that. He doesn't know how. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can sort of, I mean, I, I feel like there's a little bit of metaphor in there also for, like, somebody who, like, deals with, like, rage problems or, like, yeah. 
you know, where, where, where you have an actual, like, definable, like, mental problem that you can't turn off necessarily. Like, or mm-hmm. at least you can't do it as easily as a lot of other people can. Right. And, and it's just, like, people need to kind of help you figure out alternate ways to, to manage that. But in this case, everyone's just treating him just like either he's you're a regular a dude. Yeah. Either like you're a regular dude and you should be able to control this or wow, you must be a terrible person. Like yeah. there's no middle ground and no one's really trying to meet him in the middle. Right. And it's too late by the time somebody gives that full effort. Right. So um, they end up sort of sparring, and this allows the doctors, Connors, and Eddie to escape, which further then pisses Elector off because he's like, you let Dr. Connors escape. So now he's now he's got a personal reason to really, really hate <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, and so he, he just straight up blasts Spider-Man outside, like through a wall. It's like pretty brutal, actually. <laughs> yeah. And this is where Spider-Man ends up saving a nearby kid who's trying to take pictures for the Daily Bugle. Um, I think on like his flip phone or something, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which ends up destroyed, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in in sort of the rubble and debris of of being blasted through a hospital wall, um, Spider-Man finds a single rubber glove, <laughs> and he's able to use it briefly to to get enough of an advantage by like throwing Electro into the side of a building. It's like the only way he's been able to make contact with him. So I guess that's what the rubber glove is for. Yeah. But the advantage doesn't really last that long. It allows him to get onto this radio tower. But when he gets on the radio tower, he ends up getting another call from Aunt May. <laughs> so, like, it's it's uh, it's sort of this persistent thing <laughs> that that we're realizing is like, okay, this is going to be one of the main obstacles for Peter Parker um, in a classic way, but with sort of a new twist, you know? Yeah. This thing that's like he has to keep front of mind, but can't keep front of mind because he's battling like a, a bioelectricity being. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so how am I supposed to keep track of the fact that it's like 10.59 p.m. or whatever? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and I love that, like, it's always kind of a uh, – uh, maybe not as much in this one as in the next one, but, like, it's always, like – kind of a plot point a little bit yeah. like it's always something that either causes the villain to get away or like ruins his plan or gets him caught or something like that which is yeah. really really clever and, and it's a nice way to kind of sp- spice up the fights which are already really well done anyway so yeah especially because they established <laughs> it they established it in a really solid way so it's yes. not intrusive it's not like they're just dropping something in there to be an obstacle like we we can expect that this is something he has to consider right right so uh, after getting chastised by Aunt May for being late again, <laughs> he uh, he hangs up and Electro's constant attacks and electric discharges knock a piece of the radio tower off. Um, it knocks him into a nearby, onto a nearby building and it reveals that there's an indoor pool in that building. Um, so if you remember the clue that Eddie gave earlier mm-hmm. that Electro should not be allowed anywhere near water, um, Spidey certainly recognizes that, and he knocks Electro into the pool, which overwhelms him, blows up whatever, basically knocks him out and stops his rampage. Yeah. Yeah, he just, like, uh, I guess short circuits, essentially, right? I would, I, wonder, I would guess, though, yeah. I wonder if it's, like, when he's in water, like, all of his electrical discharge happens at once, which just exhausts him entirely. That would make sense. Yeah, I could see that. Like, expending all the battery power all at once. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, so that stops Electro, which is which is good. 
Um, and the next day, we, we cut pretty quickly to that. Um, the next day, Peter runs into Liz in the school hallway. This is sort of tying up the, the end of the episode. We get just get like one or two scenes. Um, she sort of begins to almost flirt with him, like she's talking to him, which is more than she's ever done. Um, but Flash ends up showing up as this conversation is happening. So then Flash ends up doing what he does and he makes fun of Peter, which puts Liz in this awkward moment of like, well, I was trying to talk to Peter because now we've sort of seen each other, uh, but my actual sort of regular crew is here and she ends up siding with her crew, which I can understand even though it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so she ends up putting a period on that by, you know, joining in on making fun of Peter and then they walk away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but she gives him a longing look as yes. she walks away. So she yes. definitely has hidden depths, which I like. Yes, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Harry and Gwen console Peter after he's being rejected. Peter says, and this is relevant to both storylines happening in this mm-hmm. episode. Um, Peter says, no big. I reached out and she knocked my hand away. You can't control everything. The trick is to never stop trying. Yep. Relevant to Liz and to Electro. Yeah, I mean, with with Electro, he literally reached his hand out to try to, like, I don't know if he was really trying to shake his hand. He might have just been, like, putting his hand up to say, like, Mm -hmm. whoa, 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 you know. But, yeah, it it directly connects to both of those circumstances for sure, Mm -hmm. which is good. Like you said, it's good writing. Very, yeah, very well written. Um, We get get a little stinger on this episode after that. Uh, To wrap it up, we see the Connorses. Um, they're still trying to clean up their lab and Martha tells Kurt that they won't stop trying to help Max, but they can't do anything more today. Um, but meanwhile, we see Kurt pocket what's now the modified lizard DNA, the, the, Mm -hmm. the serum that was on the floor that got electrocuted by Electro and his bioelectricity. Um, Mm. so, and it's all, you can tell that it's different because it's like kind of spark, sparkly a little bit. Like it's got a little sparkle effect to it. Um, but he pockets it and they leave the lab and it's a very ominous ending. Yes, dun dun dun. <laughs> also, Kurt's shirt changes from yellow to white, like back and forth a couple of times in that. Oh, scene. weird! I did not notice <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it's like not paying like, attention. Close up where it like turns yellow. Huh. It's like one of very very few animation color coloring mistakes in the show. Oh, that's so strange too, because people they don't change clothes in this show, do they? They're always wearing the same thing. Uh, not well. Kurt does have a different shirt on in in the next episode. Like after oh. after he starts transforming, he's like wearing a black shirt instead of a white shirt. So okay, yeah. <laughs> hmm. How symbolic. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I really liked this first episode. I liked it before I really dug into it, and I liked it even more once I dug into it because. On first watch, I was like, this is just a really straightforward villain story. Like, kooky science accident happens, villain rampages, villain is stopped in a pretty straightforward way. But then you start getting into the themes of the episode and the little the little twist on it in that, like, he doesn't rampage for no reason. Um, and there's just so much to pull out of it. Add the fact that there's the Liz Allen type thing going on with these two characters beginning to see each other i really love that you said that because it really helps i think describe what's happening it's just this sort of like sense of being seen and how different that makes things um and creates perspectives um that this episode is actually just like so much better than i <laughs> even thought it was to begin with yeah yeah no you're i I'm, I'm in the same boat i was pretty like oh yeah this is a fine episode but as we discussed it it's just really well constructed and yeah. uh, clearly a lot of thought went into it i love any time that you can kind of work in like really clear but not hitting you over the head parallels mm-hmm. between like Peter's personal life stories and and like the the Spider-Man stories and and I think this episode does it really well. It fleshes out 
lots of lots and lots of characters in like what's a pretty short span of time. I mean, yeah. a lot of this episode is like action sequences. There really aren't a lot of, a, a lot of scenes with just like people talking to each other outside of like the action that's happening. And yet we still get so many great moments for multiple characters, like including, including Gwen too. She doesn't really have a lot to do in it, but yet just like the little looks that she gives and like little, little lines, uh, like every, every moment in this episode or the show really like everything that everyone <laughs> does just like is is important in some way or at least like kind of informs their character which i am so appreciative of it's so great yeah yeah it's good stuff yeah yeah no i i love uh, yeah this episode was definitely a lot uh, a lot better after discussing it now a couple of things um one like less good but one fantastic uh, two faces, <laughs> two faces of the episode for this one. Uh, the first one is from the beginning of the episode. It's right after Max is carted into the ER, and like it's it's after and, like the door closes, and it's a nice little shot of like the door closing on Eddie while Eddie's like looking on a Max. But the way they draw him, like he's not drawn to be necessarily like. I guess they're trying to go for sad, right? I Makes think sense. that's what he's supposed to be. Yeah, but he doesn't look sad. He looks bored. <laughs> he looks so bored. He looks and so disinterested. The eyebrows. They need to. They need to tweak the eyebrows. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem because they're just like very straight. (laughs) Yeah. His eyelids are like very are drawn very low. Like sleepy. He looks very sleepy. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like I mean I guess it was a stressful day. Yeah, he's been through it. Okay, he's a beam of light. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's okay. Take a nap. He just gives and gives and gives. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's. Not so great, but it's funny. The other one is hilarious. It's one that we already talked about. Uh, it's Professor Warren throwing shade at Liz after she's like, why can't Flash tutor me? And it's just this this great long beat of utter silence where Warren is just staring at her. He even like <laughs> blinks a couple of times before he like says yeah. anything. <laughs> before he has that whole, like, we want your grade to go up <laughs> line. But, but he's like- just... <laughs> Also paired with Peter looking at her like, is she serious right now? Is she, is this a joke or yeah. is she like a real human being? Is this, am I being punked? What's happening? <laughs> right, right, right. It's like a good combo for her, sure. It's perfect. Yes, <laughs> I love it. This episode's great. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Very solid stuff. Good yes. job, spectacular. Yes, I don't expect anything less. <sighs> <laughs> and it won't be this i think this episode this next episode is good too yes um so we've got uh spectacular spider-man season one episode three entitled natural selection our synopsis per imdb is peter parker and spider-man both must learn to own their choices when decisions made by dr kurt connors transform peter's mentor into the lizard mm-hmm. this one originally aired on march 15th 2008 um, which I believe would just be the next week. Mm-hmm. And it was written by Matt Wayne. What do we know about Matt Wayne? We know lots. He was the story editor on the final season of Justice League Unlimited. Um, I think just the final season, but I assume he probably worked as a writer on earlier episodes too. Um, he was also a story editor on the Superhero Squad show, Ben 10 Omniverse, and Nico and the Sword of Light. 
Um, wasn't we brought that one up, didn't we? Wasn't that it that's not the first time we mentioned familiar. that? Because I don't know it otherwise. Yeah, I don't either, but I don't know why it would sound familiar if not for coming up on here. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, in addition to that, he's also wrote on uh, the cartoon or the animated movie, I should say, Hellboy: Storm of Swords, which is not the one Vic Cook worked worked on. That's come up a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. He's also written on What's New Scooby-Doo, Danny Phantom, Batman Brave and the Bold, Transformers Prime, Avengers Assemble, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Ultimate Spider-Man, in addition to many others. <laughs> Dang. You know, it might be impossible for my brain to hear the phrase What's New Scooby-Doo without immediately going What's into the theme song. Yep. Coming after you. Yep. Gonna... This is our best simple plan song. <laughs> so good. So good. But it happened. Like, just as you were reading that, it happened in my brain. Yep, me too. Uh, it has to. It must. <laughs> yes. And, uh, right, our director, we've got Dave Bullock directed this episode. Now, his only director credits, kind of like in the last episode, he doesn't have a mm. lot of director credits. He's directed on Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot. He's directed on The Legend of Tarzan show, another one on that show. Hmm. He also directed the Justice League, the New Frontier DVD movie. And oh. he's directed, yeah, yeah, which is a great movie, actually. Hmm. He's also directed on Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, every That's coming up so much because obviously the connections are strong, but I'm just so excited for when we finally get more Clone Wars. Because <laughs> it's happening. I've never watched Clone uh, Wars. It's good. It's very, very good. I've heard it's really good. I've heard it's very, very good. I've just never watched it. Yeah. I will one day. I'll probably, <laughs> it'll, it'll be a binge that I have. Yeah. Well, keeping in line with some of the stuff that we've talked about with these animators, especially the ones that seem like they are sort of popping up as directors without tons of directing credits. This guy was a storyboard artist on tons and tons and tons of stuff. And a lot of it is stuff that we've already mentioned. So you can sort of see where the relationships are. He was a storyboard artist on Spider-Man, the animated series, which we've talked about the incredible Hulk, the new Batman adventures, Superman, the animated series. Guess what? Buzz Lightyear of star command, Batman beyond justice league unlimited Kim possible again, the Batman Avengers earth's mightiest heroes, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, and a number of Transformers series. So clearly the folks working on this show would have known who this guy was and known what he was capable of. So no surprise that he ends up uh, directing one of these episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all of these directors are so, even even if they don't have a lot of like directing credits to their names, they've yep. all worked on like <laughs> so many high-profile projects. It's oh, insane. for real. It's <laughs> like an all-star list that guy was an artist on right yeah it's like an incredible resume yeah and for all of these people it's it's not it's not also not everything like that's just like right. skimming the surface right because we tend we tend to just like pull things that feel sort of relevant to what either our audience makes sense to be so like obviously we're going to pull superhero stuff anything spider-man whatever then we'll pull things for ourselves but like there's just so much on their their credits <laughs> there's just yeah. so much there yeah <laughs> This episode features the Connors a lot. So even though we've seen the Connors in two episodes, we've never really talked about the people who voice them. So this is where we will talk about the people who actually bring them to life in this series. So Doctors Kurt and Martha Connors aren't necessarily introduced in this, but they are certainly spotlighted. And Kurt Connors is portrayed by D. Bradley Baker, and Martha Connors is portrayed by Kath Susie. They both have lots of credits, like <laughs> tons of credits, like literally over a thousand credits between them. Right, and these are those; these are again people that, like, if you think you don't know them, you know them. <laughs> They've yes. been working for 
a long, 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 long time. <laughs> oh, yes. D. Bradley, uh, D. Bradley Baker is so many characters that I recognize, and even if I didn't know he was doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. It's just wild. So, like, he is Klaus in American Dad, um, the, the goldfish. He's Perry the Platypus and Phineas and Ferb. He is the voice of the clone troopers in Star Wars The Clone Wars. And since they're clones... He is all of them. (laughs) (laughs) He also is the clones, uh, the clone troopers in Star Wars Rebels and numerous characters in many, 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 many series such as Adventure Time, Steven Universe. I think he might be Lion in Steven Universe, if I remember correctly. Um, In Young Justice, Family Guy, SpongeBob SquarePants, Ultimate Spider-Man and just just so many things. So many things. He was a bunch of voices in the 2000 Spider-Man game, too. The one that I really love. Oh, yeah. Actually, I just I googled it real quick because I was like, I, he's J. Jonah Jameson. I knew that. Oh, but wow. in addition to that, he's also Carnage, Rhino, Daredevil, oh. and the Lizard. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's his own Sinister Six. <laughs> yep. So there you go. <laughs> it didn't even take multiple properties. It was literally, literally yeah. one game. <laughs> wow. Cool merit badges. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn. Um, Martha Connors, similarly, she wasn't a bunch of characters in a Spider-Man game, but she is a bunch of characters in a butt-ton of stuff. A metric butt-ton of stuff. So much. And a very distinct voice, too. So, she was Mm -hmm. the original Lola Bunny in Space Jam. She was Linka in Captain Planet. Which, (laughs) how have we not... Has Captain Planet come up yet? Is this the first time we're mentioning it? Because I can't believe that. Yeah, I think it is, which is crazy because that's one... I think, wait, no, yeah, I mean, I feel like we probably have had to have had voice actors that were on Captain Planet. Yeah, who was Captain Planet? Who voiced Captain Planet? Well, he was, so, he was like Dave something. He's oh. not one that I think pops up as much, but How? like, I mean, LeVar Burton was in it. Cassie oh, right, G. right. I think the, I think like the main cast are all hmm. voice actors, I want to say. That's wild. Yeah, but hey, you know, Captain Planet. Yes. <laughs> um, finally came up. She's also Phil and Lil in Rugrats. Um, she was Minx in Gem, numerous characters in the real Ghostbusters, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Tiny Toon Adventures, another Gargoyles actress. Mm-hmm. She's also in Pepper Ann, Courage the Cowardly Dog, and tons more, including a little minor corrections corner here, because we were talking about how Jeff Bennett, who plays Montana, was Dexter's dad in Dexter's Lab. Kat, oh. Kat Suchi is who Dexter's mom was, was in That's where Dexter's that Lab. was. Okay. Yeah. I knew I saw it and just for whatever reason, didn't note it properly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So those, uh, those are the two main people in this one. And in this episode, it's all about yeah. the Connorses. So let's jump right into it. This episode opens with Spider-Man stopping some masked thugs from burgling a bakery of all things, <laughs> which not just any bakery. One of the, one of the robbers aunt owns yeah. the bakery and he's like, Take the take the uh, money, but like don't touch any of like the the pies or whatever. Yeah, which like <laughs> wow. <laughs> don't mess up the baked goods, guys. <laughs> like good lord, <laughs> Spider Man of course calls him on that. He's just yep. like he's like wow, like your nephew of the year, huh? Yeah, for real, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he webs them up, of course. Uh, leaves them a little calling card. Leaves the police, I should say. Leaves the police a calling card, um, courtesy of a friendly ne- friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Um, and then he collects a camera, which he had webbed up to take pictures of the incident, which is a thing that any Spider-Man fan recognizes is a thing that right. he does, right? So we can sort of see where that's probably going. 
I have um, a question. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I refrain from asking questions like this, but this is, I think, such a minor detail that I'm going to ask anyway. Does he continue to leave those calling cards, or is this the only time we see that? I don't actually remember. Because um, that that threw me so off. I don't remember, honestly. It's, I mean, I don't I know get why, why they're I doing played. it here. Like, it makes sense, because we're, we've established that people don't really know who Spider-Man is yet, mm-hmm. and he's becoming more and more active. So it's like his way of basically saying to the police, like, hey, here's who I am. We're on the same side. Didn't he do that in some of the early comics too, though? I feel like I that, don't remember. I feel like he has before. Like that's not a new thing. Ah, you know what? Now that you say that, I think you're right. I think, uh, yeah, because I think it was like the spider signal for the criminals, and there was like a little. Was it a card, or was it like a spider-shaped yeah. card, or something? No, or, I think I, it's pretty much exactly like what okay. he has here, where it's just a little like courtesy or friendly oh, you know Spider-Man card. That would make sense because that's what they were reading. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I don't know why that threw me off so much. Maybe because, like you said, and you know about the last, uh, or when we were talking about the last episode with like Amazing Spider-Man Two and all that, like he just tends to be so protective of his identity. And I know this isn't giving away his identity, but it just it does seem like an extra, extra piece of information you don't need to <laughs> to provide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess he's not Batman. He's not like literally hiding from people, but still. Right. Right. <laughs> No, I, I dig it. <laughs> actually, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I liked it in the moment. I was just very confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, at, oh, I also want to point out. I'm pretty sure this made it weird. I'm pretty sure one of the perps was voiced by Crispin Freeman because oh. he has a really distinct voice. That That's made it funny. a little weird watching these episodes back to back. That's so funny when stuff like that happens because you're like, wait, I was just wait, I heard you. <laughs> right? <laughs> Are you back? What's right. going on? <laughs> Well, we end up uh, cutting to the Doctor's Connors home. Can you tell I love saying that? The Doctor's I try Connors. to say it as much as possible. The, <laughs> the Doctor's Connors. Um, mostly because I just, I really appreciate the fact that Dr. Martha Connors is Dr. Martha Connors in this. True. As opposed to just like scared, screaming wife of Dr. Connors. <laughs> <laughs> who can't, who you know? can't pick up a neogenic recombinator without <laughs> dropping it. Right, right. So I'm really going to save her in the moment that they're both doctors. Yeah. Um, anyway, we go to the Connors' home where Kurt is being uh, called out of the bathroom by Martha. Um, so he's... This this confused me, too, because it was sort of in, like, sepia tones. I was like, is this a flashback? Like, what's going on here? But no, he's just, like, hanging out in the bathroom. Martha <laughs> calls for him uh, to, I guess, just come out of the bathroom. And before he does that, he injects himself with the lizard DNA that we saw at the end of the last episode. And then before they actually go to sleep, they uh, look over their son, Billy, who's like falling asleep, reading about lizards. And uh, Martha makes some comment about like he just wants to learn more about the skinks or whatever. But we'll, we'll learn later that Billy is actually a pretty sharp kid. Yeah. Yeah. So not a surprise that he's reading books about lizards. Yeah. And I like the, I know the bathroom scene, it is weird because it's like the sepia tone thing, but yeah. I do like that it kind of sets the stage for like how this whole episode is shot, you know, yes. and, and lit. Um, I think I remember reading, like Victor Cook had said that this was, this was intentionally like a way to try to try out like animating and designing this episode and lighting mm. it like a horror movie, essentially. Like, I love this episode. <laughs> it's extremely well executed. There's so many little little moments that are kind of out of place in the context of like a superhero show most of the time, yep. but really help with like this general ambiance. 
yeah. um, that it provides. Like even just that mo- like the little bit in the bathroom where it's extremely darkly lit. Connor's like wipes the the fog off the bathroom mirror mm-hmm. and is like looking at it kind of like sternly. Like it's very creepy the way it's set yep. up, and like pretty much every scene is very dimly Ugh. lit, heavy shadows, like a lot of like green and like cool colors throughout everything too. You know what it's like? It's like um, it's a subtle not hitting you over the head version of like a Nickelodeon comedy that decides to do a genre episode. Yeah. Where it's like, this is the musical episode and this is the old West episode. This is like their version of like, this is the horror episode, but they don't go too hard on it. They just do it very uh, like intelligently and in, in ways that are like homages to actual older horror movies and body horror type stuff. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's executed so well. Because <laughs> you don't really notice that that's what they're doing, I think, I until until you're kind of putting all the pieces <sighs> together. It's just like, well, this seems a little bit off. Like, this seems a little yeah. extra gory. This seems a little darker than, mm-hmm. than really light things. And then you kind of, it, it comes together really, really well. Oh, oh I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, later in the evening, we actually see Peter now. So Peter is sort of like, coming home he's got this victorious vibe about him he he uh gets in seconds before the curfew which he's like really proud about but aunt may is very unimpressed by um she even makes a comment to say like getting here a few seconds before your curfew is really not the point of what we're doing here <laughs> i don't know though i kind of i mean i get i get where she's coming from uh, she's like the le- in the lesson she's trying to teach him but i also feel like you have a curfew that means like yeah just he made it there before, yeah like you made it like i don't know you're allowed to stay out as late <laughs> yeah like that's as late as you want to stay out i think she's being a little bit i think if he hadn't been that. pushing it then maybe she'd be too harsh but like he's he's already been over the line a few times <laughs> that's true that that is a good point but uh but i do think positive reinforcement would probably work better here you know yeah, yeah. celebrate Right. Give him another another piece of banana cream pie and say you should <laughs> yeah. you should come in seconds before your curfew more often. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, well, Peter is you know nothing can keep him or nothing can get him down. So he's like, don't worry about it, May. Like it's all good. Everything's about to change. Everything's going to be so great. And then he gets upstairs and discovers all the pictures that he took are messed up. <laughs> so he starts the evening with a great mood. And it turns sour very quickly, which will set the tone for Peter's perspective throughout this episode. Right, right. Yeah, basically, like, the photos were, like, overexposed or, like, the flash reflected off of the window. So it was all just, like, bright light over everything, which is one of those little details that I love on this show where it's just, like, let's take the stuff you know about Spider-Man and, Mm -hmm. like... It's not so much where it's just like, we're being realistic. Like, it's more just like, well, what are some of the negative things or, like, the problems you might run into with this, like, typical Spider-Man trope, right? So, And it's been building, right? Like, he's been Mm -hmm. trying to get these photos and things go wrong. He's been running into other people who are trying to get these photos. And so to just give it to him wouldn't be maximizing the storyline. Making everything super dramatic isn't really maximizing the storyline. It's stuff like this that makes the most sense because yep. it's subtle and it's informed and it's not distracting, yep. but it's realistic. Yep. I just noticed I wrote down on my notes, God, I love all of Peter's problems. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's funny, though. This this episode really does sort of um, – they waste no time establishing the Parker luck sort of – I guess this is a little bit less luck and more like feeling like he's just being stomped on. But 
Um, <laughs> they really they establish it early, early on, and they they establish it by giving him a high, and then just like like shattering that high very early. Yes, yes, and it only gets worse, Peter. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think I think they're able to build it so effectively because they they show us that very clearly, very quickly. Yes. So back at the Connors, we see Kurt tossing and turning in his sleep uh, before waking up in pain. Uh oh. Suddenly, as Martha also wakes up to hearing him like screaming and, and mm-hmm. being in violent pain, ooh boy, we see him very, very, very violently grow his mm-hmm. right arm out uh, out of seemingly nothing. And there's no good way to like appropriately describe what we see. It's like the closest approximation I can think of is like, did you have you seen or like know much about Akira? Yes. Yeah, so I have it's seen like Akira. <laughs> in that same vein, I feel yeah. like, of just, like, fleshy tendrils growing out of his arm. Yes. Just, in this case, it does eventually combine into, like, a nice-looking arm, but, like... <laughs> they don't just up. let him grow limbs in this. Like, his <laughs> right. flesh has to explode and then yes. build itself together. It is positively horrific. Like... It is like the Cronenbergian body horror that oh my gosh. I love, but also just like you're supposed to be disgusted by. I I I was blown away that this is how they chose to do it. Right? No, you know, knowing so little about the show, like I was just sort of like, okay, well, they'll probably do something cool. Like it'll look cool. It'll be animated well. But but this isn't, I mean, they, they do animate this well, but this is not not blowing my mind because it's animated well this is blowing my mind because of the type of horror they chose to reference (laughs) you know like it is it is it is it's it it has nothing to do with the way a lizard would grow a limb Mm -hmm. you know like it's not like um it's not like a we're referencing the Amazing Spider-Man movies so much today, um, <laughs> but like the lizard in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, it's it's gross, but it's it's realistic in that like it's an it's a um, expedited version of how something might grow on your body. You know, there's like right. the shedding and there's sort of the the baby flesh and all that sort of stuff. This is not that. This is literally just like tendrils, like you said, of flesh blasting out of his shoulder, and then him sort of like looking on in horror and then it forming into an arm yeah like what (laughs) and i think it's a case where the very simplistic like cute designs of all of these characters like the contrast of Mm -hmm. how clean everything looks and like are all wide-eyed and adorable looking and the fact that like this like horror show is exploding out of this like adorable cute like very cleanly drawn body it's just it makes it so much more like viscerally disgusting and horrifying yeah and it's only the beginning (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) but it certainly uh sets the tone oh yeah (laughs) oh my gosh yeah it's just it's such an amazing moment so good (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well as this happens he you know, the one thing that is weird about this is that the two of them recover very quickly from <laughs> yeah. what they've just seen. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he explodes flesh out of his body and it turns into a fully formed arm, which is terrifying. But he's so happy that he has an arm that he's like, it worked. And Martha is like, wait, hold on a second, husband. <laughs> like, what have you not told me? You know? Yeah. Um, and she, you know, she is worried about the implications of that and what the side effects could be because... 
Kurt is experimenting on himself. It's a human trial on himself. But she still recovers from what she's seen very quickly. Yeah. Well, to, she's like, even like chastise him. As soon as she sees the arm, she's just like, oh, whoa, that's cool. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. There's a moment of celebration because she... So he at least has a reference point, right? Like, he at least knows that he's been injecting this um this serum or whatever so he knows that something could happen she doesn't even have that she literally just wakes up in the middle of the night and her husband grows an arm out of nowhere and her response is like oh my gosh this is great <laughs> right wait right. wait rewind <laughs> and it does weird me out a little bit that she apparently never followed up on seeing him trying to inject himself with what he specifically called genetically engineered lizard dna in the last yeah. episode I mean, like, granted, a lot of stuff happened after that, and they were probably very, very tired. But even still, like, I feel like it should have warranted, like, a we need to talk about this, like, very soon, Kurt. No, I agree. I think that's a that's sort of a an unfortunate oversight on their part because Martha has been presented as this very common sense, pragmatic, like, uh, organized type of thinker, um, and I she would not have let that go. <laughs> right, right, because and she doesn't really connect the dots. Here. Yeah, like, that's not really brought up again. He basically has to re-explain all of it to right. her, and she has to be shocked again. You know, right. so that's it's a little, little bit weak, of Firestar but... syndrome there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> somebody has to have that explained, mm-hmm. and so she can then in turn like counter with, "Hey, maybe this is a uh, bad." <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good though. Yeah. Bad but good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it works. It all works ultimately. Yes. So yeah, but yeah, she does explain the da- downsides like. Some lizards can lick, stick to walls and eat raw meat. It doesn't mean you should just, like, inject yourself with their DNA. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wish she had said exactly that. You can't just inject yourself with DNA, you weirdo. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, like, she gets cut off when uh, when Billy comes in and then he's also, yeah. he's like, oh, my God, Dad, your arm, that's great. It's so fun. Whoa. Life is great. Everyone has the worst reactions to this. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, to be fair, he didn't see the horror show. I know. Well, happened. yeah, yeah, that's true. And he's <laughs> he's he's a kid, so yeah. he's just sort of like, you know, dad has a new arm, I guess. Whatever. Right. Right. Well, anyway, after that like utterly like traumatic event that isn't traumatizing <laughs> anyone, um, <laughs> the at the next day of school, first of all, I want to just call out there's a guy, like there's a wide shot of all of these students leaving the school building after school mm-hmm. is letting out, I guess. And there's a dude in a yellow shirt who's, like, walking like a dinosaur, like, walking, like, weirdly, <laughs> like, bow-legged. Like, I'm it's... so mad I didn't notice this. I'll have to, like, find it and gif it or something. It's very, <laughs> very strange. Oh my I mean, gosh. I don't know. Maybe he just, you know, maybe he just walks like that. That's possible. Ah. But I'm going to assume that that was a weird animation thing. <laughs> I'm so mad I didn't see this because one of my favorite things from the 90s show was Frisbee Guy. Yeah. It's I in, like those types of things. <laughs> it is incredible. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, I look forward to to going back and finding that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, after school, Flash and Kenny are trying to target Peter with water balloons, like from a window in the school building. So they start throwing them at Peter. Like he's he's on the school grounds down below. His spider sense, of course, goes off. So he's doing all these really cool, like um, evasive moves and maneuvers and 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 jumps to avoid the the um water balloons but of course everybody around is like whoa like that's not normal Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how you do that um which makes peter peter of course do a little double take and realize that like oh well 
they're going to figure out my secret identity or at least figure out something's up with me if they see me doing crazy acrobatics. So he purposely just stands there, taunts Flash, and then takes a few of the hits to mm-hmm. reaffirm his weak loser nerd status. Uh, yep. Yep, he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gwen, who is um, not as big a beam of light as Eddie because nobody could quite match that, um, <laughs> but is still a beam of light, intervenes and just absolutely like shreds Flash. <laughs> just like absolutely destroys him. Basically talking about like uh, she's not worried about uh, getting hit with the water balloon because if she if he could hit a target from that far away, they wouldn't have lost to whatever school and blah, 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 blah. So good. So, so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> I love stand it so a queen. Much. Oh, we absolutely stand a queen. <laughs> I also stand this next queen because he's the best. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I said I'm looking forward to more Rand because I want to know if he's going to continue to be an absolute like wonderful person and uh he still can't be absolutely wonderful because he's still friends with the bullies but he's sort of like an inside agent which is still good it's like maybe even better because as flash sort of like winds up to throw a balloon at gwen rand comes in and is like uh oh what does he say why didn't i write this down i don't know what he says but he basically like stops it he stops flash from throwing more he acknowledges, like, wow, that was a sick burn, basically. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he, he basically comes in and is, like, Gwen's cheering squad, right? To be like, yeah. ooh, do you need some ice for that burn? Yeah. And then, like, walks the two of them off. And I was just like, yes, Rand. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's it's smart because it works, too, because you could also just be like, oh, well, you know, Flash is his friend. So he's just like, it's right. just friendly teasing that he's just, like, he basically, diffuse, he doesn't just, like, stand up to Flash. He's also, like, diffusing the situation yes. by, like, creating this common ground between everyone. Where it's just like, yeah, we're all just doing friendly teasing. That's just what we do. It's cool. Oh my we're gosh. all cool. I'm, like, getting chills thinking about how good of a bystander Rand could be if he continues to develop these behaviors. Uh, like in the first episode he didn't really do anything like he sort of stood by while things were happening Mm -hmm. this time he's like he's not necessarily like confronting flash he's just like you said diffusing it and then like if this character development continues eventually maybe we're gonna get the moment where rand basically says like you know what flash you're a jerk cut it out right right Uh, i can only hope (laughs) (laughs) i will cheer (laughs) yeah no rand's great He's... told you I love everyone on the show. Yeah, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a real problem because horrible things are probably going to happen to everyone. <laughs> it is a Spider-Man show. Uh... <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> Thanks, spectacular. Yep. <laughs> Rude. Yep. So after after that encounter, um on the way to the internship, Peter kind of despairs to Gwen. Um she's trying to lift his spirits, but I I love their conversation because Gwen's just like you can't you can't just stand there and take it like from yeah. her from her perspective she obviously doesn't know that peter is trying to protect her secret identity so mm-hmm. she thinks he is just like being kind of a kind of a pushover you know being yeah. kind of a doormat about it and and i love that like her perspective is just like dude don't like you can you're smart enough to fire back on him like yeah. you know that doesn't make you a lesser person by by standing up to them like right. any and i think she even says like almost verbatim or just like anything's better than just standing up and taking it you gotta yeah. do something mm-hmm. and i love that perspective and and i love their whole little conversation where like peter is even kind of like he's he his whole his whole stick is their typical spider-man shtick where it's just like i didn't ask for this life i didn't ask for blah yeah. blah life is just giving me crap and he's like i didn't ask for this big brain and and gwen like stops him and is just like mm. dude that's 
that's like what makes you great. You can't, you cannot wish away like your, your, your smarts and your intelligence. Yeah. I think she said like, uh, I won't let you, um, wish your big brain away. Right. Right. Like that's where she's had it. You know, like he's, he's giving his litany and that's where she's like, Nope, no, 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 we're not going there. (laughs) Yeah. Gwen is such a great friend. I know. There's so (laughs) many great, everyone should watch the show. There's so much healthiness happening among so many of these characters and the stuff that's like not healthy behavior is addressed through healthy means mm-hmm. <sighs> it's yes it's great i also it's like great. it so is and i love the little bit i don't remember what sets it up but like where 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 peter's still talking on his brain he's just like why can't I, why can't i figure out how to solve my problems and mm-hmm. gwen's like it's big but unripe <laughs> she, calls <laughs> yeah, him cantaloupe. she calls him cantaloupe boy which <laughs> is perfect yeah it's really well done the show's so yeah. well written it's so witty yeah it's it's really really lovely i like mm-hmm. it well they do um they, since they were on their way to the internship they obviously go inside and meet up with their bro eddie um he's in the lab and the three of them are then greeted by a now two-armed dr kurt connors and it's really <laughs> there's this really wonderful moment where um i think dr connor says like we're celebrating or something like that and like shakes hands with eddie and eddie's like what are we celebrating or or something to that effect and then has this moment of realization where he's like your arm dude like (laughs) it's so good where he's just like not paying attention and then it hits him too late like he's literally holding dr connor's hand before he realizes it yeah yeah it's (laughs) It's so good yeah i need to point this out because this frustrates me to no end but i'm choosing to rationalize it okay they martha and, and Billy come out to celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. They want to celebrate Dr. Connors. Specifically, both of them specifically call out that they have chocolate cake. <laughs> when we see the cake later, having been cut into, uh-huh. it is yellow cake with pink frosting on top of in the middle. <laughs> Clearly not chocolate. What I am choosing to believe, it's not what actually happened, but I am choosing to believe this. This is the reality okay. that I'm living in. All right. That this was a purpose- purposeful reference to spider-man 2 because in the chocolate cake scene with ursula that i love it's a wonderful Uh scene and i have so many feelings about it but when you see the leftovers of what ursula specifically calls chocolate cake the leftovers on peter's plate are clearly the remnants of yellow cake with chocolate frosting Mm. so i am choosing to believe the animators saw that mistake (laughs) in that movie and decided to make a little tiny reference that only specifically me whatever catch that is incredible and wow <laughs> your mind <laughs> wow my mind that's your mind appropriate reaction <laughs> just i'm in awe because i if you had asked me what food they were celebrating with i would have said i don't know <laughs> like i didn't even notice cake <laughs> it's a problem i remember i don't remember a lot of basic life stuff but i remember that <laughs> Amazing. I am so glad that you brought that up because I otherwise would have never noticed. <laughs> I'm glad my brain is good for something. Um, I also will absolutely accept that headcanon because it's too perfect. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> so as they're celebrating eating their chocolate cake, Martha notices something 
with Dr. Kurt Connors. Something's happening. And she basically like sends Billy off to get him out of the room. And we don't really know what it is right away. And (laughs) there's this sort of strange moment where once Billy's gone, (laughs) Dr. Martha is like, Kurt, take your shirt off. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like uh what <laughs> i i wish that the line had because he says it's cold in here i yeah. wish the line had been we have company <laughs> that's even it's, better it would have because... been the most maybe maybe it was too obvious maybe but it just seemed like that's that's always the response but the, <laughs> like the fact that his first response to someone demanding his wife demanding that he take his shirt off his first response is but it's cold in here. Like, because taking a shirt off in the middle of a science mm-hmm. lab, people is just a thing that happens all the time with Kurt Connors, apparently. Right. Like, if the temperature were a little warmer, he wouldn't have thought anything of it. Like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> I guess he's got real, He's he works out, maybe. He's got great abs. Like, he just wants to show them off. Like, I, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Wears crop tops in the lab, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was so funny. I mean, ultimately it's because she noticed that he's growing scales, but I, I actually am really glad that they didn't tell us because then we were provided with this really bizarre moment where she's demanding her husband take a shirt off in front of high schoolers in a science lab. (laughs) Oh God, it only gets worse the more you think about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm so disappointed in the response that he gave. (laughs) Anywho, (laughs) Dr. Kirk Connors is growing scales on his body and they are concerned because they should be concerned with a human growing scales on his body. (laughs) Fair. Totally fair. (laughs) Right. Right. They research for a very long time. It is nighttime when we next see these people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically specifically so they could start just getting the rest of the episode to have very dark lighting. Yes. The lighting in their lab is apparently not very good because... When the when when it gets dark outside, it is like super shadowy and yeah. like only like they're lit only by moonlight in their lab. It looks All like about that natural light, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but of course, it uh, creates a really great mood for everything yes. that's about to commence. Ooh, and boy, is it going to commence! Oh yes, oh yes. So um, this research that they're doing, everything is very very tense. Everyone is like working really hard solving math problems and and pouring liquid into various flasks uh, of course it's like, just your typical sciencing um, but yeah. just sciencing with like high stress basically <laughs> the group determines that kurt's lizard dna is taking over uh which is scary and yep. in kurt's words he's regressing um so we start to see kurt um experiencing like a fit of pain and he warns the group to stay away from him. Um, and this is when Eddie proposes a solution that would filter out any non-human DNA from Kurt. Actually, no, wait, is it Eddie or does it? I thought it was Gwen who comes up with it. Or maybe they like both do in conversation. Because mm. I feel like someone comes up with it. No, I think because what it is, I think it's, it's it kind of goes through multiple people. Because I think Gwen comes up with an idea. And Eddie, Eddie is almost like, but that doesn't really make sense. That seems like it's too far. It's like a great idea, but it's too far fetched. Mm, and then okay. Martha yeah, that is like, familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because and then Martha is like, no, actually, like it's far fetched, but I think that's going to be what works. But it might work. Yeah, but which, which I really like this this whole idea that they're kind of working together and spitballing together yeah. because like. I mean, it's it's really cool to have these different characters playing off of each other and like still acknowledging that everything that's happening is utterly ridiculous. But it's <laughs> but like that utter ridiculous means that like the most ridiculous like almost like childlike solutions like 
let's make us a, a, a solution that that cleans your genes like yeah <laughs> that actually is, is exactly what would work well wouldn't the simplest solution just be to take the dna out that's exactly yeah. what they're gonna try to do <laughs> that's exactly right um yeah. but the other the other factor in this is that peter who's still feeling kind of de- dejected about his, his day and his life um he realizes that this could actually work for him as well and clean out the spider dna out, mm-hmm. out of out of him uh, and cure him from being spider-man essentially so yeah, which would solve all his problems we know that's how it works (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) just stop being Mm -hmm, spider-man yeah well um as this was happening as they were sort of researching and talking about the solution um you know while kurt's having this fit of pain all that sort of stuff um at some point peter notices that billy was eavesdropping and decides to talk to him and just has sort of like this conversation with this kid, which is which is pretty interesting. They give Billy quite a bit of depth in this moment, which is yeah. cool, I guess. Um, considering Billy was just sort of like there and a tool in the 90s version of this episode. Yeah. Um, so it's nice that he's like an actual human being, um, especially since he's a kid. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, Billy basically is like, I'm worried that my dad is turning into a lizard because I've been reading about lizards and lizards don't care about their kids. Like sometimes they kill them and sometimes they eat them and like they don't even care. Um, and so he's like worried, like if that happens to my dad, like he's not going to care about me. It's actually like a really sweet moment yeah, like cause... to get that from the perspective of a kid. Yeah, because that's it makes sense. Like his worry isn't like, what if my dad looks like a lizard person? Yeah, like, he doesn't care about that. He cares about his dad caring about him. And what if right. what if my monster lizard daddy doesn't love me anymore? Like, right. If lizards <laughs> don't care about their kids, and my dad is a lizard, he might not care about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really clever. It's and it's yeah. well done, and it's well performed too. Like I think the actor that they have is like an actual was an actual child at the time. Oh so wow. I I think I mean it sounds like it. I didn't hmm. look up who the actor yeah. was, but it's it's all delivered really well and he's so cute yeah. he's so adorable yeah. it's a really sweet moment yeah and it's interrupted <laughs> Oof. oh boy is it By a not sweet moment <laughs> <laughs> because after peter and billy have this conversation this is when kurt really starts to transform this is when he turns into capital t capital l the lizard mm-hmm. in the most amazing like body horror sequence we have talked about for sure oh my god this trumps everything that we have seen like i think prior to this what like scorpion had some like body horror moments in the 90s show yeah barely Uh, (laughs) there was like a little bit of like like oh you know what the most terrifying body horror thing was them growing like roots out of their feet into the ground yeah this is like way worse (laughs) yep Oh, because God. it's not quick. Like when he turns into the lizard, this is like, like if you've seen, is it the American werewolf movie? Is that the oh, one yes. that has like the infamous scene? If you've seen that, like this is, this is like at that pace where it's like, yeah. we're going to show you the way that the shape of his face changes. Yeah. We're going to give you a shadow of the way that his spine changes. And like, they really hone in on a couple of these moments that are straight up horror movie moments that are only not horror movie because it's 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 a kid's cartoon mm-hmm. but like the sentiment and the vibe and the tone are the same and they kind of fake you out a little bit because it spends a decent amount of time cutting to his shadow transforming and it mm-hmm. looks like it while like everyone's reacting and it looks like the bulk of the transformation is going to be in shadow and then it'll cut back and he's a lizard but no yeah. it cuts back and you see like his head collapsing in on itself as he's like <laughs> screaming yeah oh god the like head... you, you know he's in pain yeah 
the head thing is what really got me. Like the fact yep. that, which I mean, and it plays into the idea, like, oh, he's he's regressing into like lizard brain. Mm-hmm. His 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 mind is like completely imploding, literally imploding. Ugh. And it's like you actually see like his skull collapse in, in on itself as his like <laughs> face, like the snout protrudes out of his face. Uh, oh God! It's the so... snout protrusion thing and the teeth and everything that really. That just to me was like so so like gross and so like physical reaction worthy. Which just yeah. was like sort of like curling up on myself, like oh gosh, that's so yeah. awful. It's gru- It's gr- like legit gruesome. Oh, it's... perfect word. Yes. And and again, all done in like these very simplistic designs. Yeah. Which makes it worse because you see these very simplistic like designs that look like a kid's cartoon like let's Mm -hmm. be honest they look like what you would see in a children's cartoon right and so when this happens it's just like that much more visceral well and because they they know that they're not going to get gory like there's not going to be blood and shedding skin and all that sort of stuff so they can just give you a direct shot of what it looks like because they're (laughs) not showing you blood and skin and gore so you see it like you just see what's happening yeah and then those of us who fully understand it just fill in the blanks with our minds like oh god there's so many implications to this yeah yeah (laughs) (sighs) but it's amazing i'm i love it like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. (sighs) thank Mm -hmm. you for this scene it's i know it's it's like one of the best scenes of this show i feel like because that's that's one that i remembered for a long time because it just you don't expect it to happen. You just nope. don't like. You expect there to be a lizard transformation. Mm-hmm. You don't expect this at all. Yeah, when I think <laughs> of like a lizard transformation, I expect like guy in lab coat curls over, grabs his stomach, and then stands back up and is lizard man. You right. know, right? Like I'm in pain. Ah, throw my hands up, lizard. What do you think of the actual lizard design of of once he's fully lizard? Um, I like it. I think it's good. Um, yeah. I. I liked it a little bit better when I thought that he was colored black, but that was just sort of like in the shadows. I think Mm -hmm. I was like really intrigued by that. I was like, Oh, what an interesting choice to just make him like jet black. Yeah. But I mean, that doesn't really affect the design. The design itself is still really, really good because it, because they don't overcomplicate things on this show. You know what I mean? Like they, Mm -hmm. it's not an overly complicated design because it's not an overly designed show. So it's, they, they just, they hone in on the things that make it, scary anthropomorphic lizard man and they just do that well so yep i agree uh, right in line it, they, they're they just so good i think at at really controlling how hard they go in on something because the temptation has to be there so many times you know mm-hmm. and i think to not to not take the bait on like what if we pushed it even further really allows for each one of these moments to hit the perfect amount yep. just they all hit the perfect note because it's it's not too little and it's not too much. I 100% agree with you. <laughs> it solves so many problems yeah. of like the shows that came before it. I, it's, oh, it's yeah. so great. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, being like the golden retriever that he is. Yeah, St. Edward. <laughs> Eddie, uh, Eddie saves, tries, or at least attempts to save everybody and stop the lizard. But of course, you know he's not—he's not super powered, so he can't. Right. Uh, the lizard does escape. It escapes in a really neat, like slow mo sequence where it mm. like jumps out of the skyline into the or skylight into the sky uh, mm-hmm. before kind of leaping away. But Eddie does deliver a plan of attack to the group. Uh, he and he just runs off. He's like, he's like, you guys do your own thing. I am pursuing the lizard. I'm going to stop him because I am a hero. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, 
but a less 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 good <laughs> moment mm. um peter just can't figure out a better lie to ah. like get himself out of spider-man it's yeah it's bad it is so bad and skillfully like, bad on the writer's part yeah it's intentionally just bad like really that, really bad on peter's part <laughs> yeah it's it's written very well and it works yeah. in the context of like the stories that these two episodes are telling oh yeah but it is a very poor mistake that peter makes so mm. obviously we know he has to get out and be spider-man he's basically just like uh my aunt may needs me home by curfew bye and they're like dude peter what what's yeah. what? no and so of course they're just assuming that he's giving them an excuse because he's terrified which yeah. martha says as much to gwen that like he's this is this is a very tragic event no one signed up for this he's scared and he's running home um and he's even like you know he's only 16 which i love gwen's response is like i'm 16 yeah i'm still yeah. here She's not not having it at all. And this I mean, this is this is a good reaction for her to have based on the conversation she literally just had with Peter. Right. To say, like, anything is better than doing nothing. And so she views this as doing nothing like he's literally running away and doing nothing about it. Um, So, of course, she's pissed. I do like the fact that Martha is sort of like, well, you know, like, it's scary. Like, he's probably scared. And the fact that Gwen doesn't agree. Like, I like that they both provide this different perspective on what's going on. Yeah. And that it's not presented as a, as a, you know, this is the one reaction we are to have to this. Right, right, right. And I think it, 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 it does a nice job of, again, these characters are very well written and very mm-hmm. fleshed out already. And it kind of shows those of their, uh, like, the thought process for both of them. I think Martha's very yeah. common sense and kind of can rationalize things really well. And Gwen is a lot more like gung ho and kind of, um, kind of getting the sense that like, she has a, has a real like eye for justice. too. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool. I really dig it. Yeah. I also really like that. They took the opportunity to reference the last episode because they don't have to. And it's the type of thing that I could even see certain types of creators shying away from mm-hmm. to say like, well, with the whole electro thing, Okay, well, you don't have to throw that in there, but I I personally like that you did because I watched that episode, you know. Yeah, yeah, this show does that kind of stuff really well. Like even um I mean when when Connors is injecting the serum mm-hmm. that we know was 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 infused with Electro's energy, they don't call it out at all in this episode. Like right. if you didn't watch the last one, you can just assume that that's a serum, but mm-hmm. for any of us who did, we know that that was set up and it's not he doesn't tell tell Martha like Oh well, you know this one works now because Electro electrocuted yeah. this. Like you just kind of have to remember that, and if you don't, it doesn't really affect anything. But if right. you do, it it really adds a lot to it. It makes everything feel more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like. It. I appreciate that they're they're willing to do those types of things. Mm-hmm. So outside, obviously, we knew this was going to happen. Peter suits up as Spidey, and he follows the trail of destruction that Lizard is leaving in his wake. Um, they end up at what I presume is Grand Central Station. Um, where Eddie is already sort of keeping up with the lizard. He's, he's, he's there trying to help people. Yeah. <laughs> he's like trying to direct people and help people because he is a pure being of light. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's a moment where like, it's, it's a cool horror movie moment, of course, where there's this, there's this woman who's, you know, like hiding in this little nook or whatever. She thinks she's safe. And then like drool drips on her forehead and she looks up and there's the lizard. <laughs> yeah. It's like so good. Yeah. But this is where this is where Spidey actually ends up catching up and intervening. So before Lizard can harm this woman, um, Spidey swings in and like does his like web swinging kick type thing, and they start fighting mm-hmm. through Grand Central Station until they end up on one of the actual platforms by the subway tracks. 
Yes, yes. And, I mean, as part of the course for a, uh, a lizard story, I guess, he ends up in the subway. Of course. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. I love the moment. I love the uh, the moment where um, Spider-Man's, like, in, in the lizard's face, and he's like, can you say halitosis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he roars at him like, I knew that you could. Yep. <laughs> it's great. Yep. But, yeah, so so they're duking it out. They're fighting. Um, Spidey's knocked onto the tracks and notices that, like, he can get electrocuted by the third rail. So he's trying to avoid that, which is, you know, one, one thing that's making this fight harder the other thing that makes the fight harder is that his uh lizard injures one of his wrists mm-hmm. which is apparently the i didn't even notice this he's apparently the same one he wore on the uh, he wore the rubber glove on during his battle with electro in the last episode yeah he wouldn't have to worry about landing on the third rail if he just kept the glove mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. sew it into your suit dude <laughs> yeah right uh, yeah yeah one of those insulated suits that he has yeah. in the video games. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or just do like the gardening glove route where like it's just like a, a rubber pad on the fingers and, yeah. and palma your hand, you know? <laughs> right, right. That said, I like I like the way, uh, like the little detail of like webbing up his hand to, mm-hmm. uh, to, because of his injury essentially. And then I, mean, yeah. I think for the most part he doesn't really use that hand throughout the rest of the show or at least it's like his uses of it are limited yeah they do a really good job of of choreographing the next sequences which is it's a long sequence it's not like a quick fight mm-hmm. they pay very close attention to the fact that his hand is injured yeah i very much appreciate the detail put into that which again they just don't they don't need to do that Mm-mm. but they do it so well that it's it it just really really fills everything out yep yep all the and none of the details they never feel like like we said like we said in like amazing friends they never feel like how that show sometimes had this pattern <laughs> where it's just yeah. like here's a random scene for no reason of someone doing something weird because yeah. we need to reach our 24 minute uh, time in this episode yeah. like everything that's happened even the inconsequential stuff that happens in this show it makes it's it's like makes sense or like it makes sense for being a consequence of what's happening yeah or it's just like a kind of thing where it's just sort of like we would kind of be interested to see how that would play out in a spider-man mm-hmm. story like it's like yeah i mean of course spidey's gonna get injured at some point and it makes the stakes go up a little higher like it yeah. makes it a little harder it makes it makes the action sequences a little more unique because now he's doing a lot of stuff more one-handed mm-hmm. like it just makes stuff more interesting and more fun you know what they would have added to the to the Amazing Friends version of this? <laughs> they would have had to stop to pay the toll to get into the into the subway platform. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> and Bobby would have been broke, so he would have asked for money. That's <laughs> what I'm going to do now for every single episode. <laughs> I kind of dig it actually. <laughs> <laughs> what would Amazing Friends do? <laughs> Yeah, so as this is happening, the lizard tries to make his escape on the top of the subway train. Eddie, he is not letting up. Um, he is able to follow the lizard. Like, he jumps into the car, uh, the the train car yeah. that the lizard jumps into. It's, I don't even think Spidey notices it happen. Like, no. Eddie is doing this completely independently. And in the meantime, Spidey is able to web the back of the car just in time. And is able to t- kind of get on the subway to, uh, to fight him, uh, despite the injury, which leads to like a totally seriously rad awesome battle Mm -hmm. that happens within the constraints of the subway car and it's 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 real cool it is seriously good it's really really good and it's well animated because everything in this show has has thus far been just really well animated Mm -hmm. but there's it's it's awesome i mean they're fighting on top of the of the subway car there are times where they're on the side of it or hanging off of it 
Um, they're jumping around off of the ceiling. Like it's, it's just incredible. And he's, you know, he's still using his webs when he's able to, it's just, I'm, I'm in awe of, yeah. of some of the things that they do. And he's doing it like it's a crowded subway car. So you have these other like oh, yeah. characters that are around doing stuff, trying to take pictures. You have the old, the awesome old lady who hits <gasps> the lizard yes. with her purse. She doesn't say anything quippy. She doesn't say anything witty. She doesn't oh, but I was waiting for cool. it. I was certain there was going to be a New Yorker comment in there. But I almost like the fact that it didn't because it's oh, just Oh, no, like, I'm glad they didn't, but I was yeah. expecting it. <laughs> it's just like she's just a random person who's just like helping out. Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was really good. Yeah. There's a point where he um, he ends up uh, getting like smashed through the top of the train car into the train car. Um, and it's it's so, so good. And that happens right after he tries to like choke the lizard with his own tail. <laughs> like there's yeah. just a lot going on in this in this fight scene, but never too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh, so so good, so good. It, it does end up sort of leading to this classic moment where there's some sort of support beam, and Spider-Man needs to basically like duck in order to avoid it. They do this funny thing where they have him sort of like lean all the way back, you know, and then they zoom out, and he's just standing on the back of the the train car, but like horizontal <laughs> <laughs> which is good um and actually works really really well because because he loses sight of the lizard when he does that so he saves himself but then loses track of where the lizard is and then he's on the back of the car which the lizard then basically like i don't know does he like drop kick it does he throw something at it i don't know I basically don't the lizard does something to just blow the back of that train car off yeah. and that's how he finally loses spider-man Oh man, this episode's so good. <laughs> it's really good. This episode is fantastic. Yeah. Well, we back away from the action for a little bit. We back up to the Connors lab. Uh, so Spider-Man arrives. He uh, arrives to meet Martha and Gwen and sees them working on the antidote, uh, this gene cleanser that's going to filter Kurt's DNA. They're like, how do you, why are you here, Spider-Man? Like, how do you know? Um, which his excuse was, my spider sense was tingling. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of, there's, I think, at least three instances in this episode where Peter's sort of sloppy about his identity. Mm-hmm. Like, he makes a couple slip-ups here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, again, because I'm watching this for the first time, there's, like, little things that I'm like, this can't... I mean, it's certainly not a mistake. Like, like if Peter's being sloppy, there's a reason story-wise, I think. So I'm I'm curious to see if that is there because he will realize he needs to tighten up or if it will... If it's there because he will eventually trust somebody, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where it's going to go, but I'm excited to see like what yeah. these little slip ups mean because one of them is very, very significant and obvious. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think I think this episode in particular does a really nice job with making Peter very fallible and yep. making that very clear that he is. Like, I think that they they really took the idea of like this is peter parker in his early days this is a mm-hmm. show about the education of peter parker and like if you take that kind of to its natural conclusion that's going to mean that the beginning of peter parker's career he doesn't he makes a lot of rookie mistakes like oh yeah and it's really fun because it's all stuff that like we as people who have consumed spider-man media in the past and have seen him kind of more at his best like we know how he should be doing it and we yeah. know the solutions to this but like peter 
in this scenario doesn't know those solutions and yeah. i think that like makes her a really interesting like tension for us as a viewer because mm-hmm. it's like we can see him so clearly making these mistakes and it's like dude don't do it don't do it don't do it you know what you can do it's so easy just do this instead yeah but like it's, he doesn't it's know knowing that. the horror movie rules and then watching a horror movie <laughs> yeah it's, it's like the exact same kind of kind of tension and it's just like when when his mistakes actually like have consequences it yeah. makes it that much more it makes like the release of that tension that much more devastating because it's like <laughs> you could have stopped this you could right. have done this so much better we it was knew. such an easy solution we all knew <laughs> yeah yeah well this is i mean this is one of those moments certainly because they're like how in the world would you know but it's easy enough for them to not think too hard about it because he's still sort of a mysterious figure you know he doesn't really have to answer their question right nor does he really he like you said just spider sense i guess which is funny because like they don't know he has spider sense i imagine yeah yeah no one really yeah. knows anything about spider-man yet right <laughs> right and they're just kind of like it doesn't matter <laughs> like, yeah, we have whatever other, we have other stuff to worry about right now yeah we've got a problem <laughs> right which they do figure out that they can use spidey they can uh, he can take a vial of antidote and meet up with eddie at the world of reptiles habitat in the nearby zoo where he has followed the lizard there's like one moment where uh, they're talking to Spider-Man with Eddie on speakerphone and he like, and Eddie's like, was that? And they're like, yeah, it was Spider-Man, which like, yes, <laughs> yes, what did yes. he know Peter's voice as Peter? So and interesting. That's, I, hmm, I want to believe that he was going to say, is that Peter? But if you think about it, like even if he, in this moment of high tension, even if he said like, isn't that Peter? But they said like, they cut him off and just told them, like, told him who it was and that it's Spider-Man. He's not going to question them. Like, yeah. oh, that's weird. Hey, guys, did you know that Spider-Man sounds a lot like Peter? Ha ha ha. Right. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily think twice about it, but that's another one of those moments where you're like, hmm, mm-hmm. you're not modulating your voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it also, like, it works because there's so much other more important stuff happening yep. that it's like everybody's more occupied than, yeah. than thinking about who is the identity of Spider-Man. Like it right. doesn't matter. He's like matter. accidentally protected. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter uh, or Spider-Man rather makes his way into this habitat and <laughs> oh God. So, so weird. He sees a lizard like being in the water. Mm-hmm. His first instinct is I'm going to jump on it. <laughs> like this and is grab it. <laughs> easily the most nineties thing <laughs> that we've seen so far. Yeah. And I, it, it works only because he's been so sloppy this episode mm-hmm. that you can at least chalk it up to like, this is one of the more tense situations he's been in. Right. He has a personal connection to the, the, the enemy or the antagonist. So he's probably not thinking straight, but it definitely is like the most nineties Peter thing that he does where he's like, I'm just going to do and then not think until after. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, it turns out it's just a real crocodile in the water and that's treated like the mistake. Like, Oh no. now he's on top of a crocodile and it's flailing, yeah. but it's like, if it was the lizard, the same thing would happen. Yeah. Like, that would be stupid. <laughs> it's dumb either way. So. It's literally what the nineties Peter did. Remember he like, <laughs> yep. the lizard was just like chilling. And then he's like, I'm going to drop kick you. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just made everything worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much ah, what he's Peter. doing here. <laughs> Peter. Well, he's on top of this flailing crocodile and the lizard who I love this little bit where he comes out of the water, just like an alligator, like mm-hmm. with the eyes up first again, very well animated, very yes. horror movie esque in this, with this very darkly lit setting. He rises out of the water and 
the he uh he attacks or the real crocodile attacks the lizard before the lizard can like pounce on spider-man so spidey's basically saved because the lizard and the crocodile are just attacking each other and distracted mm-hmm. at this point um so those this, turf wars man yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, is, I guess that's got to be it right like i don't know like this crocodile is determined to attack the lizard yeah, I, I guess, guess so. it's just a territory thing. I would say, I would guess so. Yeah, and like they're fighting, they're basically fighting over Spider-Man being prey. Basically, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Either way, either way, this is like the positive kind of Parker luck that saves yeah. Spider-Man, because uh, because this gives Peter a chance to breathe while they're sparring. Um, he Spidey sees Eddie and realizes that they can slow the lizard down by tossing him into the cold water in the polar bear habitat, because of course lizards are cold blooded. Yep. And Eddie, being Eddie, being, like, Golden Retriever hero, <laughs> he volunteers himself, like, without hesitation to be the lizard bait. Maybe um, I should be worried about Eddie. I, Like, right? I'm admiring Eddie, but maybe I should be concerned. He kind of <laughs> seems like Especially yeah. because, think about this. Eddie was a star football player. He goes to college. He drops football entirely, which we would have called a drastic change in behavior, and is now, like first to sacrifice himself constantly in the face of danger Mm-hmm. kind of has a death wish huh yeah i think eddie is somebody that i would have to sit down and talk with yeah <laughs> yeah i think you are on hmm. something with that still but a yeah. pure being of light he is i mean it's always like he clearly cares about people but yes. you know there's there's just this this other other level that kind of makes he it a care about weird. himself that's what i want to know yeah, I think that's a really interesting question to think about going forward for oh sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's focus on this one. I won't think about it too much. Yeah. Um <laughs> so either way, Eddie's like, I would I'll be the bait. I can do it. I I was fine. Um mm. so he he he's going for that while Spidey sets the trap. The plan is set to work perfectly. It actually goes pretty smoothly to be honest mm-hmm. up until like we said keeps coming up as a little plot point peter's aunt may alarm goes off yep yep <laughs> it's not a phone call this time i don't believe because he doesn't actually answer it or even make any sort of attempt to answer it so mm-hmm. i'm assuming it's just like his little like three minute warning yeah but it's enough it is enough to give the lizard a heads up that somebody is behind him so he takes that opportunity and he defends himself against spidey kind of like wrangles a little bit they wrestle a little bit but before lizard can actually you know attack him further or deliver any sort of fatal blows Mm -hmm. billy shows up what's (laughs) up billy shows up on a skateboard (laughs) this is such a good interaction because he shows up and the point of him being there is to like appeal to his dad um, which works, but the best moment of this is he he shows up, he meets with Eddie, who's there, and Eddie's like, did you skateboard here? And he's like, no, I took a cab, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, so good. It's, yeah. like, a good, like, visual gag, despite them not really doing a whole lot of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, mm-hmm. Eddie's, like, generally a smart guy, so it's, like, a good, good little, like, doofy moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love that this Billy has, like, he has so much agency. Like, he mm-hmm. he really, like, he knows what he wants and he takes charge. He's not just, he's really, he's, like, never a bystander in this episode yeah. at all, actually. He's always either an observer or, like, an active participant in what's happening. They really put a lot of respect on Martha and Billy in this iteration. Yeah. Because those two got no respect in the 90s Ooh. one. And certainly not a whole lot in the original comic version of the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good for them. Mm-hmm. Good job, Billy. I don't know how old Billy's supposed to be, but 
damn son. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. So after he arrives, the this the lizard is temporarily distracted um, when Billy comes into the picture. Um, so this is able to uh, this gives Spider-Man an opportunity to get the lizard into the polar bear habitat, um, which of course, like we expected, the lizard is slowing down in the uh, cold water, and and Spidey is struggling with the lizard a bit to uh, to get the antidote into his mouth. Um, but the kind of final final uh, solution happens when he webs billy's skateboard pulls that <laughs> down into the lizard's mouth which yeah. like so the lizard is kind of biting down on the skateboard classic um, yeah and and so like that's kind of keeping his mouth like levered open so spidey can dump the gene cleanser directly into his mouth um which takes a couple of moments but uh i appreciate that they did that yeah i was worried because there is a second where there's a there's uh-huh. a few beats where you're like did this not work like is that yeah the oh. lizard is able to continue his attack after the solution is in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was I was genuinely like I am not playing, genuinely worried that it was not gonna work. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, but it does it does eventually work. Um the lizard does transform back into Kurt, but it's still pretty gross. Like it's it's, it's more it is gross. It's it's more sped up, you know. It's it's faster. It's not as like focused on. Yeah. But like his tail and arm just like kind of disintegrate into fleshy tendrils. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 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 well done. It's very well done. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Know. I'm like more grossed out by the the D transformation for some reason. Maybe because huh. what he's turning into is, like, less cool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> turning into a lizard is, like, a cool result. Turning into, like, just some guy <laughs> right. not that cool. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Well, thankfully, that's that. the fight is over. And we cut right to the next day where we see uh, Peter. Yeah, I know. So this scene, man. Did not see this coming. It's Never could have predicted this. It's devastating. It is devastating. So... What happens is that Peter is with the Connors lab crew. It's like the whole crowd is there. Everybody's there looking mm-hmm. at this paper that has pictures of Spider-Man and the lizard. And of course they're like, how, what, who got pictures of this? Eddie calls out Peter in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. He's just like, look at the byline. This Peter did this, which they're like, so Peter just left to just to fulfill this contest, just to win this contest. After the... telling us he was going home. Right. So he lied to leave, did not help them with the antidote to save Dr. Connor's life. Instead, just was apparently there following them as, as far as they know, mm-hmm. following Eddie and the lizard, but not like intervening to help at all, only to like stay in the background and take pictures to win this contest. And yep. the, the only thing that Peter can say in his defense is that, like, well, there was no no pictures of Billy, no pictures of Dr. Connors. Like, nothing yeah. could prove that it was him. But it's still, like, it's still the whole idea that, like, but you were still there taking pictures anyway. Yeah, he misses the point. Right. Like, you like still he, he was well-intentioned in the, the, the photos that he provided, but it was, like, the wrong the wrong response (laughs) yeah and it's still like this this kind of consent issue with it where like Mm -hmm. yeah so what if you didn't show that it was dr connor's you're still taking a picture essentially of him at his family's like most worst traumatic moment and selling it for money even if no one knows that it's that it's them the whole world now has like proof that this exists right on top of having lied to them on top of having lied to them right and and I one other thing that I think it's kind of subtle in this scene, but I think is really interesting if we're tracking Eddie as a character, 
the yeah. fact that Eddie is supposed to have this really close relationship with Peter, but we don't see him like privately go to Peter and be like, dude, this wasn't cool. The first thing he does is call Peter out and humiliate him in front of everybody that it, it, like it, it, to essentially ultimately get him fired. Like, uh, yeah, it's not a good, I mean, I don't blame him. Like, no. and, and he's obviously really angry, but like, it's not a precious ray of light moment for him. Like no. he is not keeping a cool head with it. Can he just be all. hurt? Is he hurt? Is he hurt inside? I think, <laughs> I think that's no, but I think that's fair. I think he is. He feels betrayed yeah. because he was risking his life for this effort and, and contributing what he could, what yeah. he thought was the best way he could contribute to helping. And Peter didn't at all. Like, in but fact, you're right though. It is like, himself not a being of pure light moment because if he were truly a being of pure light, he would be like, you know what, man, I get it. Shit's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Or at the very least would be like, Hey, to give, to give you a heads up, I'm going to tell your bosses that you did oh, this. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, yeah. no one's perfect, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, also, it's helpful because, like, at what point am I ever, you know, like, it, it's still very weird. There's, like, a strange cognitive dissonance in my brain because I'm, like, not not a, like, like Eddie Brock stan, like, by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. I think he's, like, kind of a kind of an asshole most of the time because he is kind of an asshole most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So it's, like, weird for me to, like, actively like Eddie Brock. So maybe this will be good in the long run, you yeah. know? Just remember uh, that he threw Peter under the bus. Yeah. Pretty unceremoniously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, Venom's not Peter my daddy because it. I like Eddie. Like, it's... Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I, I do... I like, the, I like the whole way that this sequence plays out, though, mm-hmm. like, in spite of all of that, because, like, Kurt obviously is feeling very guilty. He's like, I'm not... I can't throw stones right now but martha's like mm, i can <laughs> yep. um she she calls peter out and and she does it in a very level-headed way as we we're to expect from her at this yeah. point she's feeling betrayed but she's like i know you're young i know young people make mistakes you made a mistake and you know maybe you can feel maybe you can improve on this you can learn from it you can be better but despite all of that i'm still gonna have to fire you because i can't trust you yep yep it's also it's like a terrible moment but i can i also just inject a little uh, appreciation for Martha here to say like they let Martha be the one to fire him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Kurt Kurt wouldn't have fired him, but they still let Martha fire him. <laughs> right, right. I think and I think they needed to. Kurt, yeah, you're right. Yep. Kurt wouldn't have done it. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah. uh yeah. That I really was. I was very, very surprised by that. I, you know, there there are there are countless instances of where the photography is an obstacle for Peter. This is not one that I was expecting at yeah. all. Yeah. Like, definitely. this is really, really good. I am really, really, really happy with this. Not, I mean, obviously not what's happening on an interpersonal level between the characters that I care about. But in appreciating the story, I really love this because this is not a thing that's going to be forgotten in the next episode. Like, things aren't just going to magically be better. Right. So I'm very, very curious to see, like, how does this affect the relationships that up to this point 
have been like so pure and beautiful you know <laughs> yeah because now eddie's pissed at him gwen is obviously very disappointed in him for and a number this, of reasons <laughs> for a number of reasons yep and this job that was set up in the in the pilot mm-hmm. episode to, like you'd think like oh he's just gonna be here this is where a lot of the stories are gonna take place obviously yeah. like a science lab like perfect place for lots of super villains <laughs> to happen and nope he's fired three episodes in uh... at the end of this arc and it's a very like pretty dark note to end this opening yeah. arc on isn't eddie brock the one who's supposed to get fired a bunch what, what's uh, going on here <laughs> what is <yeah>. happening my <laughs> apartment ah, just give me a chance <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh but yeah so peter is um obviously not happy about all this mm. and as he leaves he takes one of the vials of the uh the antidote gene cleanser thing with him which leads us to the final scene of the episode <sighs> yep 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 he um they they did a good job setting that up where he had that thought after he had already been dejected like oh that would work on spider dna too so mm-hmm. yeah he takes one of those vials of antidote we see him at home he's sort of like cursing to himself in a very sort of like spider-man no more type of way like we've seen this type of behavior from peter parker because it sucks being spider-man sometimes so he's having that moment um but instead of just like throwing his suit into the trash can he's like i'm gonna get rid of these powers like i'm gonna do it um so he even he he uncaps it he's ready to ready to chug that sucker down um and right before he can drink the the um the gene cleanser filter stuff he sees a picture of him and uncle ben which, as we know, is always, you know, mm-hmm. the antidote in itself to uh, to not wanting to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So. What I really love about it, though, so the Uncle Ben thing, obvious, right? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. But they don't, like, cut to a flashback of with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Like, that's the backbone of it, obviously. Right. But what he thinks about, like, the, the little flash that we get is of the Connors family reuniting after he saved Kurt from yeah. being the wizard. And, and it's sort of like, he's not thinking about, I think it was a really smart thing to do because it's really easy to fall into the trap of like the, the phrase with great power comes great responsibility, almost losing all meaning because it can get overused. Um, And one thing that is worth noting, like great with great power comes great responsibility is a really, really important sentiment. And it is a good thing to think about, but it also, when you are not in the right headspace, it just sounds like you should. Yeah, And that's not what anyone in this headspace wants to hear. So it's actually not necessarily the most effective tactic when somebody is like in despair to say like, well, you should, um, you know, pick yourself up because it's the thing you should do. Like, right. That's not, not helpful. Right. So it is good that, that this show points to a tangible result of his actions, like yeah. you're saying. Like he sees he sees the positive consequences of Spider-Man being there. And if he wasn't Spider-Man, then mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't have gotten the happy ending that they did. Even if it wasn't a happy ending for him, it was happy for everybody else. And like that's the kind of moment of clarity and like self-awareness and uh, selflessness, essentially, because it's yeah. sort of like my life might suck right now, but I did like save people. And it doing did a thing essentially that no one else could do. Yeah. Which, you know, it, I think that's a really good kind of core of of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And a really nice note for this arc to end on. Like, even though this is a pretty yes. dark dark ending in a lot of ways. Like, the uplifting side of it that I think, when I think of quintessential Spider-Man, it's always, like, a lot of kind of darkness and, and depressing stuff. But, like, couched in a really, really bright, like, beam of light, essentially. In that Peter is still a good person at the end of the day. And will still... Even if he makes a lot of wrong choices or if a lot of bad things happen to him, he still will ultimately make the right choice eventually and and, and do the right thing that will save everybody else. 
Well, yeah, and you know what I really like about this as the end of the three episode arc because they're you know they're doing that like the end of the first episode he basically was like tell me something's better because he has a moment where he's like grateful for what he has and that's the end of the first episode in this one he has so little from his own perspective and and his his mindset is turned by recognizing what he was able to give you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that i think is really interesting where the this show and this arc starts with I've got it made. Isn't this cool? Like what in the world could be better than what I have? And then it sort of over the course of three episodes breaks that down and, and represents it in like a new light where it's, it's less about what he has and more about what he can give. And I think that's, that's pretty cool um, and sets up an interesting dynamic moving forward because certainly you don't throw out what you have. There are certainly still going to be moments where it is important for him to recognize what he has. Um, but this is this is a very important thing for him to realize as a superhero. Yeah, I think that's that's really on point. Oh, man, this show's great, isn't it? It's really good. It's really, really good. It it just feels um of of what we've watched, and I, I you know, we haven't watched a ton yet because there's so much, but of what we've watched, um, it just feels really well crafted you know there are episodes of actually amazing friends is a perfect example there are episodes of amazing friends where you and i doing what we do pulled a lot of material out of it but there was always still for certain episodes the sense of okay you and i squeezed a lot out of that but how much of that was meant to be there yeah these episodes feel like what we are finding was put there yeah which, you know, I, I got to put out my little, like, lit critic, whatever, critique thing where it doesn't have to be put there to be valuable, but I appreciate the art of it having been put there for us to find. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, there's so much to appreciate in the way that it's written and structured and considered and crafted yeah. that, uh, you know, I'll bag on Frump a little bit. We pulled a ton of stuff out of Frump that I don't think was put there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i would agree with that i would you absolutely know? agree with that and the fact that like we can have conversations of like very different takes on these characters that yeah. i think in they're intentionally written to be a little bit uh ambiguous until mm-hmm. we learn more about them and i think it's very intentional and the fact that like you, they can it, it, the show plays with your expectations in that way yeah and like i kind of like i said before it kind of weaponizes their knowledge of spider-man because <laughs> it's sort of like i know what is supposed to be coming but i don't really know how we're going to get there yep. and all of those like different perspectives like whether you know about the future or not like kind of colors how you're looking at everything and it's a testament to how well written and and like deep all of these characters are even when they don't really get a lot of screen time oh yeah there i mean the the first episode alone introduced half a dozen characters that we know the point b to we just have no idea what the path is right right so many (laughs) so it's but but that's what makes it exciting like we said last episode this is like almost proto binge where it's like they know that you are going to want to know what happens next yep they they've 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 put it together in such a way that you just have to know right right ah man (laughs) Uh, it's so good yes oh man i'm so glad we're doing this show right now Um, I get it. I get it now. Yes. I also, I, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy anything Spider-Man, but I am really enjoying the fact that my first 
like uh exposure to this is in the way that we watch things <laughs> yeah like there is no way i'm walking away from the, any of these episodes that are already really good and that i already would have really liked there's no way i'm walking away from any of these episodes being like uh eh, you know that was that was that was good mm-hmm. yeah because they're fine. already they're so <laughs> they're so well constructed and built to be like they're almost built to be picked apart because there's yeah. so many different layers to everything yeah. and it's so so well constructed that it's like it's perfect for this podcast that we're doing essentially yeah. which is so fun <laughs> i wouldn't have expected despite you know all the all the positive reviews and and you know even just personal reviews from people i know about this show I still wouldn't have expected us to be able to have the type of conversation that we had for something like into the spider verse, which is being created to be a two hour package that Mm -hmm. you, you see over and over and over and pick apart over and over and over. This feels like, that you know what i mean like we're, yeah, we, we're able we, to have the same types of conversations yeah you're right we brought up a lot of like really similar things as we did in mm-hmm. the spider-verse that's really it's it's yeah. real cool i love it <laughs> very good <laughs> yeah you know what else is really good this uh, face the face of this episode it is billy when martha <laughs> is trying to distract him like get him out of the room when she notices yeah. kurt's scales she's just like oh billy uh, eddie installed uh, space wackos or whatever it's called some some space wackos video game you want to play it and billy's reaction is so good he just like screams like uh-huh. wackos wicked and his face he goes like almost cross-eyed his uh-huh. mouth is gigantic Yep. Like, <laughs> if you thought their eyes were already huge, <laughs> yep, just yep. wait. <laughs> yep, and and with like the 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 party hat he's got on just makes it better. It's yeah. just like the the like the distillation of of like excitement <laughs> incarnate. <laughs> yeah, like anything you any any excitement that you've ever felt for anything, whether yeah. big or small, like. That's like what you really feel on the inside. Like he's personifying it. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what what a beautiful detail to this this uh image is? Mm-hmm. The fact that they included the the elastic string that keeps the hat yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, makes man. it so much better. <laughs> it's just like that's just like I mean I I hate just being like this could be a meme because like when you try to force memes it it's always bad but I Guys, feel like this it's... is the next meme so make sure you meme it um, <laughs> Please do. and use it all the time as a meme. <laughs> it's just like this is just like my <laughs> reaction. Literally, if anybody posts anything fun, something that I really like, like that's just the reaction. That's my face. Do it. Like, Oh no! Into the Spider Verse two, like that's the reaction. Like, oh yeah, I'm hold you to it. They're gonna remake Spider Man Unlimited, favorite show. Like that, they're gonna plug that. In, oh, in I would gym. use this. I would definitely <laughs> use this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of love it. Yeah, so that's that. That's the only face of this episode, but there's plenty of other great faces in like the body horror transformations. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, yes, <sighs> boy. But those should just be those should be fully animated. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you have to experience yeah. those. Yes, they're an experience. <laughs> yes. Whew. Well, that was a good one. Those were good. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah, were like yeah. full meals. Mm, oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> uh, we got more to watch. We got more we can watch. I'm so uh, I'm so happy. We're only three episodes in. It's already like I'm already feeling this pumped about it. Yes, yes, very, 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 very good. <laughs> well, hey, if uh, if people want to see you and all of your Billy memes, um, <laughs> where can they see you posting the Billy memes? 
You can see me posting the Billy memes on Twitter, <laughs> on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. Uh, you can also see me posting. Uh, I probably won't post Billy memes on YouTube, but um, if you want to see me posting other stuff on YouTube, um, I have a show called Second Chance that looks at bad slash divisive media, uh, but looks at it through like a positive lens, trying to uh, do uh, trying to figure out like what the intent was and like why people who might like it actually do like it in a video essay format. So they're always very heavily researched. Um, Spider-Man mm. Three is uh, one of the ones that are on there that might be interested in if you want to check it out. Uh, yes. But as for you, where can we find you? Well, I post all my Billy memes on Twitter as well, um, at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And if you are into Pokemon stuff or Pokemon things or Pokemon stuff and things, uh, you can find me on Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast here on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Word, word. Well, you can also find us, Walloping Web Snappers, on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also find all of these, uh, all the Billy memes there, <laughs> as well as any faces of the episode and funny gifts and things like that. So please uh, follow us on any of those platforms and also comment and let us know what you're thinking live tweet the show mm-hmm. i don't know whatever whatever you want to do we love having interactions uh, and, <laughs> if you and live stuff, tweet yeah. the show i need you to hashtag billy memes so that i know you got here yes 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 i need to know a long road to getting to this episode <laughs> yes <laughs> or getting Even to if the you end don't of this live episode. tweet <laughs> live tweet this moment right here that i'm delivering into your ears Yes, just hashtag Billy Meme and tag mm-hmm. at Walloping Web Pod on, yes. on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and we'll yeah. know. Like, wow, we'll know. You listen to the end of this episode, this long, very dense episode. Yes. Thank dedicated. you, dedicated. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can also email us that you got to hashtag Billy Meme mm-hmm. at Podcast at gmail.com. and you can also write us a review like on iTunes or on some uh, some platforms hashtag Billy Meme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'd love to get a review. We'd love to get like subscriptions. Uh, but really, the main thing that helps us is to rate us, uh, particularly on, on iTunes, because that kind of gets us found uh when people do searches for spider-man podcast because there's mm-hmm. lots of them but i think what we do is pretty unique so yeah. please rate us so people can find us and and also support us on patreon man like we've got so much cool stuff we always have going on there and we've got way more that we're planning to do so probably by the time this episode gets released we maybe we'll have another commentary episode yeah. or uh, we have, we release those every month. So mm-hmm. those are always really fun, like Spider-Man related sort of, but not actually Spider-Man. Things. Um, <laughs> They're like seven fun. degrees of Spider-Man is, is kind of what they end up being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime you hear like mo- shows just kind of pop up a bunch of times on our episodes, we're usually uh-huh. just like, let's do a commentary on that. Why yep. not? There are a few candidates coming from this show for sure. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, and 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 the more patrons that we get, the closer we get to our different goals. Um, they're pretty low goals money wise, so we can get there mm-hmm. pretty quickly if you help us out. Um, yeah. It'll get us more episodes. We can do a Q and A episode that we're planning to do that will be uh, a monthly and available for everybody, not just patrons. And at our second goal, we will be doing a just bonus monthly episode that's just available for patrons, but yeah. we'll just kind of cover literally whatever we want that's yeah probably spider-man related but uh <laughs> please help us with that because uh, it'll be very easy to get to those goals if you guys help us out and fund our watching of these shows especially when we have to buy them because not all of them yes. are available for free yes absolutely and thank you if you are and thank you if you're thinking about it and thank you if you do 
Yes, yes, yes. And even if you don't, thank you just for supporting us and listening to us ramble on about Spider-Man anyway. We really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun, but, you know, we... We do it for us because it's fun, but we also do it for you guys because we hope that you can uh, you can learn something and, and kind of glean something or, or discover new shows yeah. through this podcast if you haven't seen them before, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, keep up. Sp- Spectacular Spider-Man only gets better, guys. So next week, we are going to be learning all about economics. <laughs> trust me, that is way more fun than it sounds. It's going to be the two episodes, the episodes Market Forces and Competition. Hmm. Can't wait. Bye. Bye. Let's hit take this towel off.